Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost my turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Uh, let's talk to the boys, and then we'll jump right into Chicago. What's up, Biz? How are we feeling today, buddy? Oh, fuck. boys, I'm battling. Yeah, he's six, struggling. 6.50 six a.m. wake-up call after fucking traveling. Uh, I red-eye on the way to Chicago. Uh, delayed flight yesterday. Had to work the Coyotes game last night. I have a very funny story after you do the rest of the intro about the Coyotes game. So, All right, uh, hello, buddy. everyone. Mikey Grinelli, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I miss you guys already, though. Yeah. Yeah. Separation anxiety. Oh, boy. And, uh, buddy, Ryan Whitney, how you doing, my man? How are you, boys? <laughs> how are you? How are you? Jesus All right. Let's get right to it. Actually, uh, Biz, give, you, give us your coyote story before we get to Chicago. Oh, I had Edmonton last night. Suck on that, Biz. Big yeah. win for Whitty. Ditto. Um, so, uh, you know, I was, I was not feeling good. Lack of sleep, stress because of the live show situation that we're going to get into. And uh, I got home after the delayed flight, and I had to go right to the rink. And I always do pregame with uh, Tyson Nash and Todd Walsh and my brain just wasn't into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm more nervous than, than usual. So uh, we do the practice round before we're actually live on air. And then finally it's time to do it. I've went over everything. Everything was fine. And uh, Todd Walsh starts it off with Brad Richardson because he's back in the lineup after missing the last three games with the flu. And I always let Tyson Nash lead like as for comments for like color because it's just out of respect because he's the vet and, he, and he's way more polished and better. So he goes, and I'm always supposed to chase him. Well, finally it goes to me, and he passes it over, and I, I, fl- I freeze live on there. I say, I say wow. something quick, and then, and then I just, I, I'm like staring into the camera, and then I look over at Todd Walsh and Tyson Nash. I go, I'm like, I, I just had a brain fart. I got to throw it back to you all. See <laughs> That's it. Live on air, man. I felt like complete shit. Uh, they, they were so cool about it. They ended up chirping me about it in the next segment. And, and luckily, I was able to dial things back in. But there's nothing worse than when you're live and, and then all of a sudden. And you got nothing. You got nothing. Your brain just goes clear. And, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm getting laid into uh, people watching this at home. And I can't uh, so imagine because – yeah, if it happens on here, we can even always go back and recut it, and it sucks when it happens doing this shit. So I can't imagine fucking live TV, brother. 
Oh, the people in the truck were probably like, what the fuck was this guy doing? Oh, the people in the truck are like, speak! Fuck, <laughs> say something! And you're just like, uh, uh. Oh, you man. You start talking back to them on TV. You're like, would you say shut up? They're, yeah, they're probably like, why, why do we even hire this guy? Just have him well, run the Twitter account. Well, you're certainly not lacking any thoughts when it comes to our trip to Chicago, Biz, right? Oh, man. Who wants to start this off? This is, I don't know, a mix of emotions because I'm, I'm really upset because we had a lot of fans show up. So we, we didn't know what to expect. We, we had this Joy District venue that I would say it comfortably fits about 120, 150 people. That would be my guess. And, uh, and we didn't know what kind of uh, crowd we were going to get. Well, we, Mikey gets there a little bit early, obviously, to meet the audio guy, and we'll get into fucking him because there's going to be a rough and rowdy between Mikey and this guy. But uh, what were there? Probably 350 people that showed up. There was a line out around the corner, around the block from this place. And, you know, it was very overwhelming. There was people that drove there from Toledo, which was four hours. Uh, Other people that drove from from farther distances for the Winter Classic itself, but came to the live show. Mind you, it was raining outside and it's freezing, but these people still stood out there and waited. And then we're, we're pumped. I was going around talking to people before the show and, and everyone was fired up. So were we, we had awesome guests lined up. Keep in mind right now, you shouldn't be listening to us. Idiots. You should be listening to the fucking episode. No, you should be listening to Adrian, a coin over a thousand games, in the NHL hilarious played with them, had a lot of good stories. So audio guy hasn't sent this fucking, uh, his interview over, which maybe we're able to salvage and play in a later episode. We had uh, Reed Simpson who, but went over to play in Russia for four years. Need I say more? Hmm. We would have had a ton of Russian gas stories and, and, uh, and, and more of that. Uh, uh, and Jamal then Mayers. Jamal Mayers was there, Stanley Cup champion with the Chicago Blackhawks. So obviously the locals would have loved that. Uh, and then uh, Jeremy Roenick shows up, surprises the boys, because he had another event and then drove over from the other event. So, and then even, even the, though the audio was shit, when he walked in, the morale came right back up. Everybody was like, yes. And in my head, I'm like, man, like, this is going to last for a minute because this audio situation is not going to get figured out. And I was just praying that maybe, just maybe that audio would kick back in when JR came in and we could have roundtabled it with Jamal Mares, uh, Reed Simpson, and, of course, JR because uh, Adrian Acoin had already left and we already did his interview, but nothing. And and I felt like shit. And um, Mikey, Mikey, you and that audio guy were going at it. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, he's fucking incompetent. He, the guy was like legitimately incompetent. First off, they brought their own speakers. Like you said, we had a lot of people show up. Clearly the guy doesn't know who the boys are. He doesn't know how popular we are because he didn't know that we were going to pack that place. Did I. I didn't even know we were popular. So he didn't know we were going to pack the place, so they brought their own speakers, which clearly weren't loud enough. Halfway through, the, the DJ or someone from, from Joy District walked up to me. He's like, what is this idiot doing? Why hasn't he just plugged into the, the house speakers? Like, why don't we just use the house speakers? So I look at the guy, and I'm like, what the fuck, buddy? Why don't we just use the house speakers? And he's like, uh, I don't know. And I'm like, let's lo- use the fucking house speakers then, you idiot. So well, then, he spends, then he spends 20 minutes trying to fucking do that. He has to call his boss to come. And we originally requested like eight microphones. And then the guy looks at us. He's like, I can give you two to work. And we're like, dude, we have six people on stage. Like we can't use two microphones. The guy was incompetent. I want to fight him in rough and rowdy. The guy was like six two, like 225, 30 pounds. GFT's brother. Yeah, he had, he, the, had the hair down to his ass. He probably dummy you, Mike. He would definitely dummy me, but I, I have to do it for the boys. 
I got to do it. Listen, it's this entire thing. There was a moment up there where I wanted to crawl under the table and just go to sleep. It was so embarrassing. First of all, the fact that that many people showed up, thank you. Uh, I couldn't believe it. And then everyone's fired up. I mean, people were boozing. It's New Year's Eve afternoon. Everyone's ready to go. And like you said, Biz, we had these guests. And we can't even say anything. We can't even say anything. We're trying to talk to each other. And then naturally, people in the back of the bar, they're here. They're there for a live show. They can't hear anything. Well, at some point when they can't hear anything, they're going to start talking. So then they start talking to no fault of their own. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of drowns out our noise. We, we, you know, we tried to take five different breaks. We had a complete fucking idiot. That sound company is pathetic. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know, who, I don't know if they sent their, like, you know, their usual scratch, their fourth liner. Like, where is their major guy to come help us? But it was severely disappointing. I mean, at that point, we were so fired up. Like, this is incredible. This many people are here. And we couldn't even do a show. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It was like we had, we had better technology when me and R.A. were on his couch sharing a microphone. <laughs> um, and I don't want to really point the finger here, but I'm going to fucking point the finger. Um, so as far as the audio is concerned, Mike Grinnell asked Sparso. He said, hey, do you want me to go there in the morning and set up? And, and, and whoever at Barso said, no, no, we hired a company to do a, a live podcast a few weeks ago in Chicago with the Redline guys, and, and it was excellent. So obviously Mikey backed off. He's like, well, if you're hiring a company, like, sure, okay, and one less, one less uh, stressful thing off my plate. Well, obviously it didn't turn out well, and these people sent over shit people. And, and I'm, thinking, one. I'm thinking we're in the third largest city in the United States. And we have a, a podcast that's a fairly, fairly large in size now. I'd say we average about 500,000 listeners. Hire a fucking competent company. Like, don't go with the fucking two-star to maybe save a couple bucks. Now, to their defense, they did one a couple weeks ago, and apparently they hit it out of the park. So I'm like, oh, shit, well, then I can't really fault them. Well, yeah, I go yeah. to the tailgate the next day at the game. Once again, we, we, we got to meet with fans and stuff like that. I, I think I said sorry to every single person that, that talked about the live show, obviously who came to the live show, said it to a guy at the tailgate. And the guy, uh, I, I said, you know, they, they had the audio company at that red line thing uh, and, and they were good. So, you know, no fault to Barstool. And, and he goes, ah, he goes, I went to that podcast and the audio wasn't that great. And my fucking, my, my adrenaline just popped up. I wanted to go fist fight the Barstool RV. Fucking, and I'll, I'll fight the Barstool RV in Rough and Rowdy. That's how pissed off I was. And uh, so that, that's going to be some, um, some conversations internally. Once again, we're not throwing anyone under the bus. Uh, you know, people make mistakes. But when, when we have that much on the line and people who travel that far, and the, and the few people that got to me um, as far as letting down as, when, are the fans are concerned, was there's a few uh, people that came up to me, and one kid in particular, and he goes, hey, he goes, I just wanted to say, um, that, you know, this podcast has, has really helped me through a dark time in my life. And that's when I was like, fuck, man. Like, like I, I didn't really know what to say. I was like, Jesus Christ. And when I think the same guy came up to you and, and that's how much, um, how much weight we carry. Like we, we want to put on a show for you guys. We want to do well for you guys. And, and that one really hit home. My parents came from Boston. They came all the way from Boston for the show. Yeah, shout out to uh, Grinelli's parents. Completely waffled at the show. I go. I try to go to the bathroom, and like his mom's like, "Hey, let's get a picture." Your dad comes over, so I'm waiting to take the picture. I've had to hose for an hour, 
And all of a sudden, like, they're like, hold on, I want to have my aunts and uncles come over. And there's like eight people in this picture. I find out none of them are Grinelli's family. Grinelli's family's just completely buckled, saying people are like their, their brothers and sisters. So it was great to meet the Grinelli's finally. I said, you have a good kid on your hand. He's a little rat, but he's also a great kid. So he's our little rat. And also, Biz, in terms of the people coming up, I, I, I cannot believe uh, the amount of people that came up and every time they said, thank you so much for the podcast. I said, dude, what? don't say thank you to me. Thank- we want to thank you. You guys listen. The listeners make it. I can't believe how passionate people are. It was so cool to see. But when, when if you come up to me and say thank you, I don't even want to hear it because we're just sitting here. We're doing our thing. It's fun to do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming out to the live show, to the tailgate. I, I, I'm telling you right now, all four of us here, we're in shock at how that weekend went. And now, granted, we were getting noticed a lot because we're at an outdoor classic. It's all hockey fans. But still, it was just – it was overwhelming. Oh, and yeah. so, you know, we had, we had some – I had talked to a guy who served in Afghanistan. We talked to a kid who's battling cancer. People who say thank you so much. And it's like it, it almost gets me emotional. Like, thank you, dude. Like, I can't imagine – I can't even tell you how much we appreciate you listening. So no thanks to us. It's all thanks to you guys. And unfortunately, we, this show was a joke. It wasn't our fault. Uh, but you live and you learn. So we're just going to have to kind of rebound for the next one, if there is a next one. Just to clarify, Wits, um, Grinelli's our rat, but we don't want to confuse him with the rat in his actual apartment, the, the no, one that, that shows up true. for occasional episodes. Cool. And uh, go, did you Google third biggest city? Where I, biz, did you Google that one? Oh, yeah. I was surprised when I heard that. And then, I, yeah, I did a little Google search. So just yeah, just We hired a sound company off the street. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, Grinelli, he's, he's been fucking great so far. Would have been great just using him. But anyways, um, it was like when you go to a concert, guys, and the opening act is on and no one's paying attention and you can kind of hear the talk. And that, that's what it was like. And we were just sitting there like fucking zoo animals. And, you know, like we said, we, we just got to – we're going to turn this into a meet and greet. We're going to hang out with everybody and shoot the shit and take pictures. And, and people were outstanding. I mean, nobody complained to our face, I'm sure, online. They, they might be, but uh, everyone was awesome, man. Like when I pulled up – the line was still down the block around the corner. And I was like, shit, when are they going to let people in? And I walked in the bar and it was packed. I was like, holy fuck. Like you guys just said, it was, it was overwhelming. Like, I mean, I knew you guys played the show before. You know what it's like to have people come up to you and slap you back and take pitches. Me and Grinelli didn't before. Me and Grinelli were signing fucking autographs, okay? That's the fucking the level what? of ridiculousness. Yeah, dude. Dude, R.A. goes, I feel like I'm in the Beatles. <laughs> I, I did, dude. When I was throwing, when I was throwing the merch out at the end of the show, when we just said "fuck it," show's over, and I just started launching merch, and people are just trying to grab it. There's millions of people everywhere. I, that was the best moment of my life, hands down, best moment of my life. It was, it was outrageous, and I was like, shit. Like I, I told Wits, I'm like, am I a rat? Do I sign my real name or my my fake name? I felt like a wrestler. Like it's like you, you sign a fake name, but no one knows my Brian name. So I was like, all right, I'll just sign Rear Admiral. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Now, all right. Um, I know I got some. I know Wick got some. But like, I love how our listeners will come up and they'll just be like, "Hey, Biz, how's that ugly calamari cocky?" Or it's like, and I'm just like, "Oh, like Dude. people will just lay into. Like strangers will come up to me and just fucking rip me. I'll be like checking out at the grocery store and they'll be like, "Hey, what's up, Snuffleupagus? How's that ugly cock?" And like the clerk is looking at this 16 year old kid. Like, <laughs> What the f- like is this guy part of some underground sex ring with little boys? Like what the hell's going on here? Hey, I said the same thing. People come up, they're like, Oh yeah, no one you got a winter hat on covering your left ear. And right away I'm like, Fuck you, look at your sweatshirt, <laughs> bud. Like, you come up and shirt me. I don't care, but I'm giving it right back to you. I couldn't believe it. People are like, oh, my God, you bag of milk body. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You're 5'3". You chirp in my body. All of a sudden, we're going at it at the tailgate with people. But, I mean, listen, I think people expect if you come up and chirp us, you're going to get it back. I also got a couple of people come up, not a big deal, and stare at me. I'm like, 
What? What? I, like, what do I, I say? Don't it? Like, it's like they just rip off like the lines that they like that you know they hear on this podcast. Just stare at me after they say it. Like I just start laughing. Like yeah, dude, not a big deal. Thanks for thanks for swinging by, saying hi. Also, uh, some guy was chirping my boots at the at the tailgate. Hey, it, it, but like you said, Wade, if if you come up and rip us, like. We, oh, we're programmed. Right we're coming like, back, man. Yeah, like, I, unless you're a girl, then I just say, like, oh, okay, this land me more, you know? And, oh, by yeah, the way, yeah, shout out to people, all the many female fans who showed up. There was a, a lot of our female lady listeners showed up. They were great. They were, they were as supportive as anybody. It was great to see that we have that many female listeners. And also, special particular thank you for me to all the, the many fine listeners who uh, offered me uh, special cigarettes or a vape during the time I was there. There was plenty of those and even had a guy giving a little tap on the nose because of what biz said <laughs> in the live podcast. I politely declined, but it was pretty funny. Similar to like the ranking they're coming up and offering uh, whatever you might want. So hey, the, the live show, like I said, it was a debacle, but it, it turned in. We took, lemons and we, made, it, we took lemons and we made pink lemonade out of it. That's what I was saying the other day. So uh, the tailgate much more successful. That, that was fun. That was just nonstop Blackhawks fans, Bruins fans. And of course to it ended perfect, the game, man. I, I thought the game was one of the better winter classics in years. Uh, highest rated regular season game in, in four years. So, uh, And we got wits. We got the end that we wanted. Yeah, exactly. RA and I, uh, we had the puck line. That was plus 180, so that was a nice little chunk of change. Thanks for coming. By the way, Biz, you are a machine, a legitimate machine. Dude, we, we did the show. Uh, we did well the the fake live show that wasn't a live show. By the way, I missed my my good friend's wedding, my one of my best friend's weddings, December uh, on New Year's Eve for that live show that never even happened. So shout out to that. I I probably had to miss him like eating nineteen pieces of cake. Or I should have to pay for that guy's uh, second wedding. Yeah, he probably ate the whole cake, but still, <laughs> still, biz. We, you know, we met everyone after the live show. We tried to we stayed around. For, well, we stayed around two three hours. We were talking to fans, just trying to meet him. Then biz. That night, we went out to dinner. Then Biz went out till 3 in the morning. I, I had to shut it down. Then he gets up at 6. We go to the tailgate. He's hanging out with Panther 3 at the tailgate. Then we all got to go watch the game. That was it. Biz then went did a first-timer all day. Like, I don't know how the hell you're able to go constantly. You don't stop when we do these things. You're like the Energizer Bunny, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, putting out content for, for fans is, uh, I mean, that's kind of like the adrenaline you get and, and the, the final result. Uh, we decided to do one of the NHL first-timers at the Winter Classic. Now, before I get into the first-timer, I had um, I had even expectations going into what the Winter Classic is because you hear mixed reviews online. I would say from a consumer standpoint, obviously I didn't have to pay for tickets. I would have 100% paid to go experience that, that winter classic. The conditions were perfect. There was no, uh, there was overcast. So obviously the, the ice wasn't uh, reflecting as much as they have in the past. Uh, the stadium was a perfect setup. The fans and energy was incredible. The game ended up being close all the way down to the end. Uh, could not have asked for a, a better situation. Um, going back to NHL first-timer, uh, Robin Lopez from the Chicago Bulls. He's an 11-year NBA vet, came out. Awesome guy. Like, biggest heart. Just a, and, and it was cool because we had uh, two people from the Salvation Army that we we reached out to and got. Um, a girl named Naya and, uh, and a guy named Marchand. Sure enough, Brad Marchand, so we kind of made a little joke about that. But they were basketball fans. So they were like over the moon that Robin Lopez were there. The girl was in shock. Uh, we had a great first timer, great experience. Of course, the game was awesome, and uh, they got to meet a bunch of. Yeah. Uh, what about what about the audio though? 
after our oh, audio. Okay, so obviously we deal with this audio issue in, at the live show. We, we basically do the full first period, and, and me and Robin are, are vibing. We have great chemistry. We're cracking jokes. He's telling some funny stories that I won't tell about uh, him in, involving mascots. And you, I, I can just tell there's a disturbance in the force. I can just fucking sense it. Ooh, a Star and Wars I, reference. Yeah, a little Star Wars. Everything. You're welcome, R.A. I think he knew that was Star Wars, but yeah. And, and, and I can see <laughs> Pasha, uh, my right-hand man there, is stressing a little bit. And he's running the camera. And all of a sudden, the, the audio guy comes up and goes, hey, can I change your pack with my little audio pack? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Then he goes and sits back down to where he was recording the audio. Then he gets back up and asks to change all the other people's packs. We didn't have fucking audio for most of the first period. I, such bad I, I've never went to like a Zen state naturally because my natural self would have been like, get your fucking shit together. And I, w- I would have snapped and things would have got uncomfortable. And, and, I, and I'm sure that the, my guests and, and Robin would have been uncomfortable. But uh, we were lucky enough where he dialed things back in towards the end of the first period. And we were able to, to execute what I think is going to be a very good NHL first timer. But talk about all these fucking issues that were popping up. Yeah, I think the Instagram story, I took you at a restaurant the other night. It was probably the best audio we had all weekend, Biz. <laughs> that's, that's true. Now, speaking of, of uh, the game, I got to get your, uh, your side of things. You guys got to go watch and enjoy it. Now, you, you have a pretty funny story, uh, Wit, about R.A. and uh, his beverage choice. Oh, R.A. We, we, we sit down, all right? I, ha- I got a course light. I think Grinelli got a course light. And R.A. comes bombing into the sea. He's all happy with this glass of red wine. It is noon. I'm like, dude, you're drinking red wine? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. A little take the edge off. My stomach's upset. Can't have any more beer. Dude, the wine was so full. You, you know, if you get a huge glass of wine, you maybe take a sip to kind of like make it go down a little bit. No, RA's just like walking around with his full wine. Sure as shit, a goal scored. He's like, yeah, jumps up, doesn't even consider the wine, the wine in his hand, spills the wine all over Grinelli's white jacket. I was crying, laughing. Mike's like, get the wine off me. What the <laughs> fuck? But RA's the only guy who would just like, not. you know, if a goal scored and you have wine, you're maybe like, oh, I have the wine. I got to get up and cheer. He was just like, yeah. First off, that's fake news. Grinelli no, spilled the not. wine. On, no, no Grinelli, Grinelli spilled the wine on himself when he sat down on the chair. The wine was in the that's cup. A lie. That's a lie. No, no it's not. Right. A lie. You, were, you were soaked with wine before the game even started. That's that's false. You were, you oh, sat down in the seat and knocked the wine onto yourself. We I'm not going to let that fly. We go to the tape. Go to the fucking tape because it happened before the game. Second off, you can't chirp me for drinking wine when you guys drink wine 24-7. I drink wine at night, not at noon at the Winter Classic. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? It was I needed this guy drinking wine there. I had the last couple beers. They went down like sand. I wasn't feeling it. So I got a little vino, and then you duke the guy. who's When he's pouring the drink, you tip a couple bucks, and he gives you a fucking double pour. That's an old trick. Old hockey trick. Go ahead. Right. I wasn't there, so I can't vouch. But I, I mean, I, I have to believe Wit and, uh, and Grinnell here. I mean, all right, I'm not trying to throw you on the bus. Right. I mean, you were trying to spoil yourself. I think you were trying to flex a little bit with the wine. Uh, in some the, nice pinot. Some nice pinot. He's like, yeah, pinot's good, boys. Hey, you got to dupe the guy yeah, for a little I, extra pour. Now, speaking uh, of the gambling side of things, uh, congratulations. You guys all did very well. You bet on the Bruins. And uh, we, we often talk about the – the the goal spread thing. I don't. Once again, I'm not a gambler. Explain the the our lesson, lady mother of whatever. Well, we have actually have a new religious uh, reference to make. Well, we got there. You know, they have touchdown Jesus. It's a legendary thing at Notre Dame. The big mosaic painting of Jesus behind the end zone. And I said to Wits, we got there. I goes, hey, today he's puck line Jesus because we both bet the puck line, which 
you know, you're laying one and a half. You need the Bruins to win by two. And honestly, Biz, we couldn't have scripted this any better. Like, Bruins were down. I kept saying a whip, plenty of time. They just got to get a goal, like next goal. And then all they got to do is get the empty net. It, it played out perfect. Uh, Porter, who the guy who came out to videotape, he did a great job. He was the guy who, is called Ninja for a whole day. Cause he yeah, had so a, quick quick was, side story here. Is, <laughs> that was great. Is, uh, we, we finally finished that debacle at the live show. And, um, and, and I'm saying, hey, like, you think maybe uh, Ninja got a bunch of good video? Because then we could put, like, a little content piece together for the fans. And these guys are like, like, what? Ninja. Who the fuck is Ninja? I'm like, Ninja. Ninja, the video guy, the videographer. And I was calling this guy Porter Ninja all fucking day. That's why he was looking like I had three heads, and I just couldn't understand it. So sorry to my boy uh, Ninja. Uh, what's his name? Porter? Porter. The videographer just kept kept looking at Biz like like Lee Trevino and Happy Gilmore. Like, <laughs> why are you calling me fucking Ninja? <laughs> So, like, so yeah. Ninja, move, move, you guys. Like, who is he talking to? So sorry to interrupt yeah. you there. Right? No, that's all right. That was that was funny stuff. So yeah, he he was. It was perfect. Like I, the scenario couldn't have been better. The the net was pulled. He's taped. He actually got the goal on tape, and then he got our reaction right after. And and because we, we talk about the puck line all the time, I gave the prediction before the game. I said Bruins four one. I was off a little, and so I think everybody else bet it. So it was like this is what we do on the show. So the fact that they scored an empty net with us watching, they would have tape it. It was just like kind of epitomized what we do here. All right, I got to give it to you because you did when when it was like one to one or two two to one. You were like, all we need is is just a one goal with the ten minutes left in the third period, and then the goal came at nine forty, and you were like, we'll be good, and we were good. Um, it was a great hey, call. Yeah, thank that's, you. That's that's that uh, degenerate gambler instinct. Yeah, you'll learn a few things after forty years of gambling. Speaking of which, we do got the corner coming a little bit later. We'll be getting to that. Okay, so RA, how about uh, how about Murley, Matt Murley, who's a, a, a he came on what once before before yeah. I jumped on friend of the program. Yeah. Guy, we're getting him back on. He's playing over in South Korea. Uh, Wit, you got to tell this uh, this text you got because he's a, he's also a degenerate gambler. Full blown. So I'll let you yeah. tell the story. He, he texted me on um, New Year's Day morning, like, and he's like before we went to the game. And he's like, dude, because that was that night, right, Biz? It was the first that night. So he texts me. He's like, hey, man, you see the schedule? I'm like, no. He's like, dude, Philly's in Nashville. LA's in Vegas. They're both on the road. New Year's Eve in Vegas and Nashville. There ain't no chance those teams are going to be ready to play. They probably went and ripped it up. They're probably out all night. You know, Philly's partying in Nash Vegas. The Kings can't control themselves in Vegas. We got to hammer the home teams. Sure enough, I'm like, fucking Amorals, I'm on you. Vegas with a 2 nothing win at home. Nashville with a 4 nothing win at home. Both double money line, puck line winners because Merles is looking at the party scene in the NHL and trying to gouge his winners off that. So shout out to Merles in Seoul, South Korea. He's on a 15-hour flight right now to play. Like, There's like a team in Russia in the Japanese league, and he's in South Korea. So Merles, you're, the, you're a legend. <laughs> God bless him. Just uh, a couple other notes, too. Uh, I, I love the bitch. I wish you were there just because you could have saw Wit watching me be like the Bruins fan. I, I was in fan mode, and Ari was like, I mean, Wit is just like putting his head down, shaking. You know, when they introduced music, I was like, yo, chief, chief. He's like, he's like they can't hear you, Ra. They cannot hear you. <laughs> oh, it's fucking hilarious. No, the other he's thing, like, he's like, yeah, yo, oh, back is, yeah, I don't know, back is supposed to play. He's like, oh, yeah, shoot, oh, come on, Corelli. I'm like, dude. They can't hear you. We're so high up. Then the guy next to me started dying laughing. I was like, come on, man. Let me enjoy this win. <laughs> <laughs> but a couple other really cool things I thought were the, the players that they came out to the Notre Dame fight song. You know, everyone, world famous song. They come out to that. Jim Cornelson's insanely electric anthem. Oh, that man. was fucking fantastic. I was fortunate to see it at the Cup in 2010. 
Uh, but to experience it again in that atmosphere, I mean, uh, Wits and Grinnell, you guys hadn't seen it before. It's quite a thing to be in person for. Huh? Uh, I've seen it. I, I played. I played against. I, I didn't even know it was a thing. Wit, Wit looked at me halfway through it, and he's like, "You didn't know they do this like every game at every Blackhawks game." And I had no idea that they they go crazy during it. Best anthem in the league, and they get louder Without- and louder as the song goes on. And that guy has absolute pipes on him too. I think he's what's his name, Jim Corn. Jim, John, Jim Cornellison. <laughs> Jesus, what I think he I think he gets the cup rings too. Like he's that yeah. part of the team. Yep. People he love him there. He should. Uh, he does. Great he's got, guy. He's got three of them. And I, yeah, he, he kind of sings it his own little way. He kind of puts his own inflection on. Like he's when he gets the flag, he points to the flag every time. It's it's cool shit. Really good stuff. And, and also, uh, I got to talk about my my encounter with Mike Milbury. Ooh, so, yeah, I was down below and like like I used to rip on him a little bit and like I you know I've talked to Jr. and a few other people about how he's actually a good guy. He's just a little bit grumpy. And uh, I, I saw Catherine tap and um, uh, Jonesy was there and M- Mike Milbury was facing the opposite way. And I knew it was him though. So I ran over and I tapped him and I, and I gave him a big hug before he could even turn around and shake my hand. I said, Hey buddy, I'm, I'm like, let's, let's bury the hatchet. Like I heard you're a great guy and maybe we can get him on the podcast. So, so all our listeners, maybe lay off Milbury a little bit. He's, he's you know, what he is, he's like that Grinch that just needs a little bit of love back. And I think you'll turn the corner. So I'll see what I can do. And, and speaking of Catherine Tappen, you, you got to tell your first day at the NHL network story with, cause she would, she would Have think I it's funny too. This? I thought I, Oh man. All right. Uh, I, you told me and I was like, Oh God, that's classic you. So, um, Catherine Tapp is the best. She actually got me like my job at NHL network. She wrote a guy there. I was like, Hey, I think this kid would be good. Like just help me for no reason. Like such a nice person great at her job. She's a, she's a monster now. So, my first day at NHL work, I was, like, nervous. I didn't know one person. And I think that night I was going on, they kind of give you, like, a little bit of a – it's not like a tryout, but you go on for, like, one segment almost just to get you – you know, let you get loose, let you figure out kind of how TV works, see how you do. So you have your meetings, um, like, you know, three, four hours before the show. You go over that stuff. And that night, like, Kevin Weeks was going on, and um, he was going on earlier than I was. So he was up watching games, and he was up with the whole crew. Like, the producers are up there all watching games, and they're just kind of going over what they want to talk about when they're going to go on. So I was going to be on later. So my meeting just happened, and uh, Catherine Tappen was in the room, and there was also a bunch of other people. And, you know, the, the room was – it was, like, kind of warm, whatever. I don't, I don't know. We were only in there for 30 minutes. So I go up to the room where Weeksy is because I kind of knew him a little, and I'm just like, God, I want to see someone I kind of know. So I walk in the room, and there's, like, eight guys sitting there with Weeksy, and he's like, oh, wait, what's up, bud? How's the meeting? He goes, fuck's hot in there, huh? I was like, yeah, she's really pretty. I mean, yeah, like, she's really pretty. And he goes, dude, everyone looked at me. They're like, the room's fucking hot. <laughs> I was like, oh. uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I was like, I, no, I know. It's really warm. And, like, that's why she was saying she was warm, too. And they were just like, oh, oh God. Fucking me too and people. You first oh, in the oh, oh, man, that's a tough start for me to NHL Network. But, but once again, Catherine, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you for helping. And, and that's a compliment. She's beautiful. I yeah, mean, she's I mean, it's just a like five-star the athlete. athlete. The weeks, he's like, the room's hot, dude. I was like, oh. Like my face, I was just like, yeah. They're like, this guy's live show that the it was like when our live show that didn't become a live show happened. 
foot and mouth disease. Uh, uh, one other note, too. Shout out to the Boston fans who drank yet another road venue out of beer. Uh, I heard noted Dame ran out of beer like the first or second period. Uh, I was in Dallas for a Pats game years ago, and Boston fans, man, they just fucking drink places out of beer. So shout out to the Boston fans once again, and also the John, the John, uh, Johnstown boys I met at the game. Oh, and before we move on, this is it, right? Before, are we done with the Winter Classic stuff? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, okay, yeah, basically. my last thing. Everyone, I, I see everyone. I, I, I've been notified. Wait, everyone says you're so miserable in the pictures of the Winter Classic. Oh, wait, why don't you smile? You look so upset. Buddy, I'm smiling in the pictures. I'm not ear-to-ear grinning. I'm not on a golf course in Spain with Zetterberg flying private jets. You want to see a big wit smile? Yeah, get me out there. I'm at the Winter Classic. I'm freezing my dick off, and I'm like trying to smile as I'm cold. So shut up about me being miserable, and I need to smile more. Mix in a smile, wit. Hey, you're shit-faced. I wasn't even shit-faced either. I had about three drinks. Man, miserable wit. He's loaded. No. I was sober and I was cold and I wasn't on a golf course. So you're not going to get the old big grin and wit when, you, when you're thinking you're going to get them in 20 degrees in South Bend, Indiana. People are pretty hard on you, wit. I will say, you know, and I, I know you might be a little bit on the grumpy side, but geez. Like, I, I mean, I know. Like, but listen, I can take it. Just know if you come up to me, like we said earlier, you're getting it right back. I've learned to protect myself with chirping. That's all I have. There you go. Uh, I mentioned a few minutes ago they were the highest ratings for the Winter Classic in four years in addition to any regular season game. Just a quick note, Boston was number one, Providence number two, Chicago number three. There was a four-way tie for the uh, TV ratings between Buffalo, Hodford, and I'll give you a guess on the, who the third city that was tied for fourth in watching this game. Vegas. Bingo. That's because I told wow. you. Wow. Yeah, Vegas. So, I mean, we, we, you know, there was a lot of talk of, will Vegas be a hockey town? I, I think that's just yet another indication that Vegas is indeed a hockey town. And they did announce next year uh, when the Classic is going to be at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. I've been told that they're going to fertilize the field with fucking horse shit. Can they – that joke? Are they really doing that? Can they please give Minnesota an outdoor game? We'll end it at that. Why don't the – the Wild have never had an outdoor game. I, it makes zero sense to me. Maybe maybe it's too cold there. Like that's that's that's. They have one in Edmonton. Like yeah, they do oh, the Heritage, well, Heritage well, Classic. Well, I'm a fucking moron then. Yeah, but there were those people. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, my my bad. Maybe we should edit that out. I sound like a fucking moron. Um, <laughs> should we get on? Speaking of Dallas, should we talk well, about? Uh, that's what I meant. The fucking horse shit. They're gonna fertilize the field with fucking horse shit because that's oh. what the Dallas. Ah, boom boom. I know it's early, boys. I know it's early. Oh, okay. Ah, Don, yeah, you were breaks on Marblehead. I ruined your. I ruined your little. Uh, what is that called? Segway. Intro. Shall I take your order, or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car on Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Yeah, Dallas uh, CEO. This did happen a little about a week ago, but we had the holiday, so that pushed things off. Uh, he called his two best players fucking horse shit. Uh, it was from pretty lengthy quotes. 
Uh, he also said, I don't give a fuck. I'll say whatever. Uh, mind you, his team was in a playoff spot at the time he said it, and they just came off a 2 nothing win in Nashville, so the timing of it was a little odd. Uh, the next day, Jamie, Ben, and Sagan said, hey, I play for the, we play for the guys in the room. Actually, Sagan didn't. Jamie, Ben said, I play for the guys in the room. Uh, the, the, actually, the NHLPA got involved. They come out and they, they uh, kind of shit on the comments Jim Lights made, who's the CEO. They didn't, they didn't take too kindly to it. Uh, Jim Nil, the GM, he finally spoke up, said I wasn't crazy about the tone and the language, but otherwise he said his boss was, quote, dead on, as anybody would about their boss. So uh, it caused the, I would say it caused a bigger ripple in the hockey landscape, probably more in Dallas, given you know the, the Cowboys and the playoffs and everything going on down there. But, boys, having your CEO call you fucking horseshit, oof, what would you do if, uh, I mean, Biz, you may have been called that when you played, but I don't think the Wick Dog was. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, you ever been to Edmonton? Um <laughs> Jeez, where do I even start with this? First of all, that was like NBA-type drama, which, I mean, I'd be lying if I say I didn't love the fact that it gave us something to talk about on the podcast. Every time something like that happens now, I salivate. I'm like, yes, we get to give our opinion on it, and people actually care. Um, I I guess I'll start with the players. Um, I I really like the way Sagan uh, responded. Um, you know, I, uh, I think that his comments were, were bang on and he said message delivered, uh, took uh, responsibility and accountability for maybe, and, and I wouldn't say it's been poor play. I would say that, that based on how now both of them are paid, they're going to be in the conversations of like the Crosby and Malkins because they're being paid like them now. And, you know, when you get paid like that, at the national hockey league level, there has to be points where you literally point to the boys and say, hey, hop on. And that's just the reality of it. Like, I mean, Sid and Gino have done it. And some people say, oh, look at their supporting cast. And I'll say, hey, fucking dickhead. They won a, a Stanley Cup with Dumoulin as their best defenseman when Olimata and Tanger were out. So don't talk to me about supporting cast. Those guys got the job fucking done. Now, saying that, Sagan just signed that deal. He was on probably one of the most fair deals, if best deals in the NHL. But now all of a sudden he signed it, so now pressure's on. That team has not made playoffs in, in, in quite some times based on the type of star power they have. They have respectable goaltending. They have that rookie defenseman from Finland. I don't know how to say his last name. I don't even want to attempt it because I'll butcher it, but he just made the, the all-star game. They have uh, Klingberg. They have Radulov, Ben, and, and Sagan. Yes, do they have the best supporting cast? No, and there needs to be some work done there. But – it's it's time for them to start making playoffs and, and making some stabs at it. The last time I can recall something like of this magnitude happen uh, happening was when in San Jose, when uh, when the GM Doug Wilson kind of went after the leadership group a little bit, particularly uh, Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, and he ended up ripping the C off Marlowe and gave it to Pavelski, and that was uncomfortable times in San Jose. Joe Thornton was pretty candid. He kind of went back at, at Doug Wilson. And when your organization is in a situation where your expectations are so high and you can't even get over the first hump, at some point, something needs to be said. And Doug Wilson said it. He shook things up. Hey, Joe Thornton had had a very good two, three-year stretch there. They ended up making a, a little run. Then they made that big run to the Stanley Cup Finals. And yeah, shit got weird. Shit got uncomfortable. There might have been some bad blood around. But hey, sometimes in order to get to that point, shit's got to get uncomfortable. Now, Going back to Light's comments, I, I think it's a little weird coming from someone who's not really involved like in the locker room and in, in talking to these guys face-to-face. I thought his comments were, yes, aggressive, especially based these guys are, are just under a point of game. It's not like these guys haven't done anything. 
and but now he doesn't hang out with these guys. If the, if they don't start winning, they're going to probably change that whole front office at some point. Like he's in a sense looking out for his job and all the other guys' jobs by being aggressive about it. Because at the end of the day, if he doesn't say that and things don't tur- turn around, and the culture doesn't change. They're gone. What does he care? I mean, he ain't fucking. He ain't playing tummy sticks with Tyler Sagan. It sucks and, and it's uncomfortable. But at a certain point, something needed to be said. And and as I said, I just think it was a bit aggressive. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping that team can can turn it around. And, and this might be the point that made it happen. Very well said. All of that. Uh, my issue is that you need to. You need, in my opinion to go tell those guys first. I mean, they're, they're, they're reading that as fans are reading it. They have no clue it's coming. You want to be a fucking man? You want to carve guys? And not just carve them. I mean, that was the biggest roasting of a player publicly I've ever seen. Two players, sorry. And he did it. And listen, that guy, that guy lights. He's the owner's mouthpiece. This came from the top. This came – this was also – this had been like – brewing for a while. I mean, the owner, he's put a lot of money in. They've made the playoffs twice in the last 10 years, I think. So he's pissed off. So then he has his lackey. He has his lackey lights go out there and just, you know, he said he didn't know he was going to use the profanity. Dude, he didn't even care one bit. He said, say what you want to say. And this guy unloaded on two guys who, like you're saying, Biz, I mean, the team isn't winning. He's going to go after these dudes. They're not the reason that team isn't, isn't winning. Those two guys are not the reason that that team isn't successful. They don't have depth. They have third and fourth line players playing on the second line, sometimes the first line. Now, yeah, they can be better. And one thing about Jamie Benn is, I mean, four, four years ago, this guy, is, he's coming, becoming one of the most dominant players in the league. This guy's had a lot of injuries, man. He's bad. He's, first of all, he plays hard. He, he's always played hard. He's a prick to play against. He'll fight, and he's been battling through injuries. So if you lose that half a step, maybe even less, you know, you go from one of the best players in the game to you know maybe you know one of the top thirty players in the game. It's just a little different. So he's been through a lot in terms of not being that guy in 2014 that people saw come on the scene and dominate and win a scoring title. I think he won a scoring title, right? Yeah, either way, um, he dominated. So so now the the way lights comes out and says it, it's like. You're really going to go after these two? Those are the two guys who you're going to come and publicly ridicule and say the team sucks because of them? Dude, if you didn't have them, where, where would you be? I mean, it's just crazy to me that it was just blindsided. They didn't know anything about it. The GM knew about it, too, like you mentioned. And I just thought overall the way the message was, was you know, um, given out, the way they heard the message was, was complete bullshit. I don't think that that's right. I think if you want to be a man, you go to his face, you say it to his face, say, I'm going to rip you in the media. At least they know it's coming. So, uh, like you said, Biz, that guy doesn't give a shit. He's not their friend. He's working for the owner. He's that guy's number one man, and he did what he had to do. But in the end, I thought it was bullshit, and I thought it was very NBA-like, which I don't really, I don't really enjoy when our league gets there. And <clears throat> worth that. noting in the, in the article, lights. I mean, he called the media over too. It wasn't like he just said it off the cuff. He called a couple of reporters over to tell. Oh him. yeah, it was a it was planned like co- press conference almost. Yeah, and he he said he gets five texts per game from owner Tom Gagladi that simply say WTF. So. I guess, and he was feeling the heat too. And and I can't remember. It might be the first time a pro sports exec has actually used 
wah, wah, in a quote. He said, All about uh, the, the posts? Yeah, he said, he's hitting post. Wah, wah. That's what I say about hitting post. Get a little bit closer to the action. Actually go to the spot where you score goals. He doesn't do that. He, does, he never does that anymore. He used to be a pest to play against. People hated playing against Tyler Sagan. They don't anymore. It's like, Dude, geez. the guy had 40 goals last year. What are you talking about? You never even played hockey. Go to where goals are scored. He's a sniper. You see where Vetchkin scores from? Shut up, like. What are you talking about? Go where, go where goals are scored? Dude, has that guy ever even skated? He's given Tyler Sagan lessons on how to score goals. Dude, Tyler Sagan could go get 25 goals in the next 30 games. Shut yeah. up, lights. Go to where goals are scored. You don't know shit. Yeah, like I said, the timing of it was, was, just, was just fucking odd. And, and another thing that was odd is that after he was chirping seg- or, uh, sorry, Ben and said he hasn't scored a goal from farther away than five feet from the net. So he, he so it's the exact opposite of what yeah he contradicted himself a little bit but boys at at the end of the day like I, I hope these guys can turn around because these guys have put a lot of, a lot of work in these guys are very dedicated athletes um, I don't think they had they they should have had to deal with that aggressive comments but sometimes you know when you're making that much money the the, the heat's got to fall on you now and and I'm sure they're going to rise to the occasion and we wish those guys well I mean, they're third in the West right now yeah, and, they, were, and yeah, they they had the they had the wild card spot when this came when this report came out and um. Just know that Jamie Ben. I know for a fact there isn't a player that's ever played with him that would say one bad word about him. Yeah, exactly. A warrior and a leader, and I can't imagine how many texts that guy got when this all came out. So for him to deal with that, I just think is bullshit. My opinion. Suck on it. And now uh, we were just talking about the Stanley Cup. So speaking of a guy who won the Stanley Cup, how about four of them? Darren McCarty won four Stanley Cups with the Detroit Red Wings. I got a great picture with him from one of those nights. Uh, we had a great interview with him a few days ago. Good stuff. Sorry. With Wait, the- back it up. You have a fucking picture with every single person. That's but none ever- of them like are, know the pictures going on. So he's like looking at the camera and guys are like talking to someone else. He has pictures of people well, that didn't even know. They haven't seen no, McCarty well, with Darren McCarty even said, by the way, unbelievable interview. This guy is like Cam Jansen. This was fun. This was fun full throttle and we hope this makes up to all those people who came to the live show and didn't get to hear those interviews uh but uh, our ra that uh he said he wants to see the picture and he thinks he remembers meeting you he said that yeah i, I mean if, no offense if he doesn't i mean if he just won his fourth cup there's a zillion people in the locker room you got some goofball wearing a fucking bruins hat mind you and the detroit red wings winning <laughs> cup winning locker room with a bruins hat on and a nantucket t-shirt and i couldn't have stood out more like a sore thumb uh, actually, we should probably use that picture to tweet out the tease. Hey, actually, like the craziest thing about this story isn't the Bruins hat, isn't like being in the locker room when he wasn't on the team with the cup. It's that RA had a Nantucket shirt on. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, there you go. All right. They're well, like, get a vineyard shirt on for this guy. All right, you mentioned putting the, the picture of you and Darren McCarty up as the picture to promote the episode. Now, there's been a lot of uh, RA self promotion going on that uh, Spit and Chicklets account. And uh, the boys were having a good chuckle about it. I told them the other night, I was like, you got to start using your own account, all right. Although, I, listen, I, I, I think it's fucking kind of funny. Because, like, sometimes I, I just, like, watch it. And I'm like, the fact that this is going on on a, a strictly hockey account. Like, why are they watching uh, RA eat pierogies for the first time? But, it's, I mean, it's kind of comical. And I think that a small percentage of our fan base eats it up. If I'm not mistaken, I thought we said we were going to make content out of that. At some point, I was going to uh, have pierogies, and we we do a thing. And as far as putting the shit on this week, I mean, Grinelli said we, when we go away and do stuff, put, put to put stuff on the main account. So I figured, I don't know. I thought we were all doing it. So I just was playing along. And, and speaking of social media, that uh, Spit and Chicklets memes continues to, to oh put God. out fire 
Instagram memes for the Chicklets boys. Uh, for any of those of you who haven't heard about it, we talked about it once already. Uh, Spit and Chicklets memes is not ran by us. It's some dedicated fan who who takes all our our stupid lingo and, and shit and he turns it into masterpieces. And he, is he not scaling up? Is he? I mean, he's getting better and better. We, we I think we should maybe even hire this guy to barstool. He's got twenty twenty. I'm just looking up. He's got twenty four thousand followers. The one we'll be doing swipe up soon. The one that the one that made me laugh is is it the clown in the drench? And he's like, "There's no state tax down here." And then you see Pitts climbing into the rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ah, shit! That, there's, there, yeah, there's been a couple that I've been like, I don't know, but most of them are pretty good. I got yeah. give that guy respect. I don't know who it is. We love we love the chirp. So uh, all right, so hopefully we don't see any more pierogi eating and maybe a little bit uh, better content. All right, guy. Well, on that note, let's go to Darren McCarty. And now it's my pleasure to bring in a guy who had uh, 758 NHL games. More importantly, he won four Stanley Cups, 97, 98, 02, and 08. Uh, I actually celebrated the 08 Cup with him. I doubt he remembers that, but we'll bring that up later. Uh, he was all hot, all hot, grind, and hustle. Darren McCarty, welcome to Spit and Chicklets, man. I really enjoyed watching your career. I appreciate appreciate it, Admiral and uh, Wit. Great to be on here. It's an uh, honor to be on this program. I love what you oh, guys do. I, I guess I'll just go fuck myself. Um, now, we got <laughs> We got to get to that uh, that one cup win because I feel like RA's got a story about every single Stanley Cup that's ever been won that he snuck into the locker room and got a picture with one of the players. He snuck into the, the Red Wings locker room or, or stole a press pass, either one, and actually got a picture with you after which one was it, the 08 RA? Yes, the 08 Cup in Pittsburgh. Yeah, so do, and you got to understand – because that's the old Pittsburgh barn. So, dude, you were doing some slinking, and that, that's a veteran. If you can get into it like an old barn, because you got to realize the dressing room's the size of your closet, especially in Pittsburgh. So, the fact that you got in there and got a picture, dude, I appreciate it. I'd love to see that one. Yeah, uh, yeah RA's completely yacked out in the picture. He just looks <laughs> waffled. And I was over in the dressing room crying my eyes out like a little baby after you guys won. So, uh, the, the picture's great memories for you two. And for me, it just reminds me of a sad day. <laughs> yeah, you know so, what? But look at you now, kid. Look at you now, kid. Now I'm a podcaster. I like looking and, and killing it and killing it. Well, speaking of now, what are you up to, dude? Where, where are you at? Uh, what's going on in life? Kind of give us the, the rundown on Darren McCarty grind time special right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they said that first. Um, I started uh, Grind Time with Darren McCarty, which uh, grindtimepodcast.com. You can check it out. Uh, getting underway with that which has caused me i've lived uh part of the last six years back and forth between uh clearwater beach because uh i really like golf and you can't do it in michigan in the winter so uh but because of everything going on um i'm doing a podcast i do stuff with the wings you have my boy riley cote on here last week that he is uh you know with what he's got going on in the education with the marijuana um, I'm three years sober as of November 11, 2015. Marijuana saved my life. I'm a huge advocate for it. In fact, so much that, you know, they tried to get me back to Canada. They turned the whole country legal, but Michigan came back and they voted strong to keep their favorite stepchild uh, here in Michigan. So come back here to help out with that, uh, do a bunch of things with the wings. And I got to uh, check out Facebook, Darren McCarty Slaps the Comedy Tour. Uh, they say it's a comedy tour, but guys, I'm as much a comedian as I am a musician. That's an insult to both, but I'm as an entertainer. So I'm out there entertaining folks uh, with some stories and 
you know, the good old years doing some stuff that you're doing uh, in person. And uh, like I tell everybody, you can Google me. You can see how fucked up I am. Uh, you're showing up to see me. That that really tells a lot about you. So again, back to the rear admiral. I can see why back in the day you got a photo with me, bro. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Fucking BFFs. Hey, maybe you'll steal RA. Maybe we're going to be without RA for our podcast. Him and him and uh, Cardi. You, know, you never know. I, mean, I got to get him. I, you know, when, when it's time when I feel like I can reach that um, upper echelon, I might reach out to him just to borrow him from you with. <laughs> There's a few ways I wanted to take that. You mentioned uh, the band you used to go on the road with. I want to talk a little bit more about the comedy stuff right now. Like, do you get nervous going on stage? And is it like a battle before every performance? Well, here's the, here's the here's the thing that you mentioned both of them because the minute and the first show that I did, the first time I ever walked on to do comedy, I went up there just you know not really expecting. I'm better by the seat of my pants to see how deep I'm in it. You know what I mean? And the first time I got up to do the comedy, it was like, oh, my God. That was like fear, nervous, the sweats. But it went away because that's what the band prepared me for, fronting the band. So what I'm doing now is I get to do everything I ever loved about being the front man of a band, a band yet I don't got to remember lyrics and I don't got to sing a tune. So it's the perfect best of both worlds. Uh, the more you do it, just like anything else, the more comfortable you get to it. And I just I – just, enjoy going around people like hearing hockey stories and hearing life stories and my perspective. So one thing is, is that I always, I always call it enjoy my truth because it's my truth. If it's, you don't didn't see it that way or you were there, then write a book or get a podcast or do something. Darren, did you just decide, all right, I want to get into comedy. Was it something you've like a long time dream of yours that you've had? But, and if so, what, who were your main comedy influences, uh, you know, growing up and up, up, basically up until you started comedy? <laughs> Well, I think that you and I, I, I'm one of those guys that I'll try something once, twice, you know, 10 times if it doesn't kill me and then figure out if I like it or not. Uh, this was something that it, it was brought to me by, by uh, a guy through a friend that said, would you like hosting these, go out and host these things? And I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, whatever. I, I'm interested in comedians. I go to some comedy shows. I have some friends that, that try it. It's, uh, it's something, like I said, I don't consider myself a comedian. I'm an, I'm an athlete with a perspective on life through addiction and ups and downs and stuff like that. That's what I sort of bring to you. Um, so it's, that's the connection and the love that I want. So it wasn't on purpose, but it sort of evolved. I call everything in my life organic, just like the, the plant that I love that saved my life. It's, everything's evolving. So it's turned more into, you know, I first go up there and do 10 minutes and maybe I'll do 20 minutes. I can, I can do a two hour show by myself now. So, but again, it gets into more of the entertainment and the stories and the different people that I have. And I've got to meet some great Michigan comedians because of it. Um, you ask me influences, obviously, you know, guys like Bill Burr and Doug Benson, you know, come to mind. Uh, obviously the, uh, the writing and, you know, you can't, you cannot, you know, call Jerry Seinfeld a genius and not appreciate, you know, the, the writing style that he had. So, I like to make people think a little bit and, and understand where my perspective is. And like I said, it's my truth. So if you got a different one, then you get up on stage. I got a couple of music questions. What was your guys' go-to? Were you a cover band? Did you guys have originals? And I wrote two albums. with Kid Rock. Uh, yeah, all the time. I knew, I knew Bobby back in the day. Uh, well, I still know him. I met him Ooh, you know, back be, before uh, – back when he was doing uh, – 
back when he was doing like sort of the kid and play rap, sort of um, yodeling in the valley. Um, so he's been around forever. Uh, we actually got to jam um, in Russia. We jammed, went on stage and jammed at some bar in Russia when we were over there for Fatisov and Lariano's retirement during the lockout. Um, but again, you know, I'm just, I'm just up there just, just pretending he's the real musician. But uh, um, I, I've wrote, written originals. It's more of like a, uh, you know, it's more of a punky thing uh, that, that we go with because you don't have to really be a singer to do punk. Then, you know, so it's, it's <laughs> one of those things. And, you know, actually with the comedy now, it, it gives you a whole new avenue of writing too. Because I always enjoyed, you know, I just, uh, I just went to see Trailer Park Boys were just in town. And those those guys are good guys, but I love when Bubbles gets up at the end and does his, uh, uh, you know, liquor and whores and stuff like that. Comedy's giving give you a whole avenue, as Adam Sandler showed us, to uh, write music and enjoy music in a different way, I guess. So, DMAC, I, uh, I texted Bear, for people who don't know that, Dan Cleary. I say, hey, we're having DMAC on the show today. Can you give me anything I need to know? He goes, OMG. D-Mac. Holy <laughs> shit. Wow. A beauty. An absolute beauty. He says, listen, you have to ask him. He would play venues the night before games with his band. What was that like? Just ripping it up the night before a tilt. Yeah, well, you got to remember, this was back in like 08. Or, or well, actually, let's see, when did we do that? We did that during training camp. So to yeah. be honest, we would we would do it up in Traverse City at training camp. And, uh, you know, I guess you wonder, like, when I tell everybody is that when the lockout came in 0405 and I was making too much money and I got bought out and I went to Calgary, you know, it, it, there's a reason. Maybe it's that I was paying too much attention to the band instead of uh, instead of a hockey career, but it all worked out in the end, right? We got that picture we were Admiral in Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You, you seem like a heavy metal kind of guy. Just that's the vibe you give off. Uh, who, who are your, some of your favorite music? Absolutely. It, who are your favorite musicians and or bands who either influence you or just that you love just cranking it up, listening to? Well, you'll appreciate this story. <clears throat> Back in 06, um, uh, after my first year in Calgary, I, I've been, you know, I've, I've been to rehab four times and I knew this was sort of coming. So I went to see my buddy, Zach Wild um, on OzFest and ended up doing two weeks of OzFest, uh, roadie for Zach Wild and then a week with System of a Down. So, Zach Wild, the true—he's the caveman. He's the true, the true. What you see is what you get. As far as you want to talk metal, um, love, love him. Love the whole crew that he's involved with. I'll tell you my quick uh, Zach Wild story. Is uh, we got a pitcher chugging contest in Hooters in Hartford. Uh, me and him versus uh, Mark and Phil, his uh, security guy and his tour manager. We did. We were chugging pitchers of uh, 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 Guinness. Right. And uh, little did we know that they were going into the bath. Those two were going in the bathroom between uh, the other guy would go and they were puking. So Zach and I didn't do that. I end up anyways, long story short, I passed out on the floor of the tour bus. Thank goodness I go to puke and I miss the carpet and I puke all over the, the, you know, linoleum floor or whatever like this. I wake up in the morning on the couch in the middle. I, you know, one of those, holy shit, where, where am I? And I sort of look, I go down because I got to take a piss and I almost step on Zach. He's laying at my feet, no blanket, no pillow, no nothing. Just like the loyalty, whatever, just wanted to make sure I was going to be all right. That's Zach Wild. This is 2006. He's already, you know, that, that just, to me, that just tells you that what a true, unbelievable dude he is. So, who does, who does that's my favorite metal dude. <laughs> 
That Hooters <laughs> in Hotville will get you every time. <laughs> you know, you know, dude. See, thank you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey you might be more white trash than RA. <laughs> you know what? I got you. The best part about me is I can float in every different circle. Yeah, you, you know? can. I got my. I collected my card. I got my card in all the different neighborhoods in this in this uh, state and uh, throughout most of the USA. So, uh, you know, not not always a bad thing, bro. So, you know, yeah, clears needs guys like me. Clears yeah. the bear needs guys like exactly. me. Exactly. You guys vacation right? in Florida together? No, no, dude. He I can Clearwater's way too north for him. He's got to be down in Marco or something like that. You know how he. <laughs> Wherever the NASCAR races are. <laughs> Well, that's where I am. You'll find me there. Yeah, exactly. You'll find me there, that's for sure. Now, the, the Gulf Coast got some great spots. I'm a big fan of it. Now, you, you mentioned the cannabis. You have your medical marijuana card. How, how exactly has it helped you, Darren? I, I know physically it helps with the pain, but explain how it helps you like on a psychological level. I, I think people don't realize that, you know, that marijuana can't well, help you on that level. Well, there's, well, here's the whole thing, and it's all about uh, if you get educated and ask questions, and, you know, we'll be on the uh, – entering 2019 it's not about arguing it's about you know what do you mean by that what do you mean is first people have to understand what your endocannabinoid system is which is any animal anything with a spine has an endocannabinoid system which this plant the marijuana plant the cannabis plant feeds your body so when we're talking about different things i think people understand forget about the high because the biggest thing and riley brought it up riley cote who's i'm an athlete for care with him he's a great guru a great He's been a great, uh, you know, someone that I've been able to lean on and for education and stuff, but it's about the CBD and allowing your body to, to get what it needs into it as far as your endocannabinoid system because it's deficient to most parts. That's why people are getting sick. So it's all about education. So for me, being an alcoholic um, and almost dying and, and, you know, there's different times where I would have stroked out or had a heart attack, but I decided I was physically, see, mentally I was ready to quit, like the beginning, like for final, quit final, final, I'm done, like January 2015, took me almost the whole year to be prepared to be able to go into it. Now, lucky I was educated, I had the people around me that were educated. There's a gentleman called Rick Simpson, who's got this RSO, which is called Rick Simpson oil, which is pretty much the plant and uh, an alcohol, and it's just taking the whole plant and using everything into a syrup and pretty much seven days when I was awake, they would give me that. By the seventh day, um, I was free of the physical addiction of the alcohol and it was the greatest day of my life. And I said to myself, holy cow, if I've been lied to this much and this can bring me back from where like a gun in my mouth and, you know, not caring and wanting to die and being that guy, um, been through enough there's obviously a bigger plan i gotta protect this plant like i protected my red wing brethren or calgary brethren when i played in the lineup and that's the role that i do and it's through education and it's through cells guys like myself like riley pointing people in to go find their own answers we're not telling you this is it this is the way this is it it's your own journey but you should educate yourself and get out there and ask questions so when i get people to ask questions then it's working that's bottom line. And I've been three years plus. Uh, the only thing I use is cannabis, and I use the CBD every morning, which which is non-psychoactive. It helps with the pain, my sleep. It's it's getting to know your body and having a relationship. We're all worried about our diets. We're all worried about, you know, eating organic and all this. This is all part of it. It's all part of educating yourself on on how to take care of yourself. 
dude, if I would have known some of this, I wouldn't have been as good of a hockey player that I would have. The, the reason that I wasn't allowed to find it out until it almost killed me about the truth is because the way that I'm built, it would have really fucked me up and I would have been like Ricky Williams and I had to go away on a sabbatical and, and, and find it because this is bigger than a game. This is, this is about life. And, and I just preach what I know. Like I said, it's part of my truth. Were, were you always a partier? Like, was that, I mean, you seem like you're like life a party wherever you go, even now that you're not drinking. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I was never a smoke. I was a boozer. Or, and then I, the best thing about being an alcoholic is realizing I didn't have a coke problem. Cause you know, that, was just the, uh, that was just the equalizer to keep you going so you could drink more. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. Equalizer. You know, I don't so need I that, that without the booze. <laughs> right. Exactly. Who wants, yeah, I don't run that high. So that's where the, it, I was, I've always been the way that I, that I am. It just enabled me to actually rediscover and find what's important. You know, it doesn't, it, it makes, you know, life, more enjoyable, the more that I know my system, the more tolerable that I can be, the more that I can understand, you know, how to feel better. You know how long, you know, between, and we haven't even touched on like CTEs or concussions and stuff. I mean, yeah, you don't think that like most of us have some sort of brain injury from, not from fighting. I'm thinking of the guys that never made it. How about the guys that battled with us all the way up? You know, you talk, you know, Dennis Bombi had a, had a you had him on as a guest you know that i most respect he's like you know that guy has more fights than than everybody and you know it's just common sense that there's got to be ways to help us make to feel better and you know this is just one of them and it's through the education and so you know athletes for care is one of the ways where people that have questions they can look into it uh so we're going to go all the way back to start. We, we haven't really talked about hockey much, to be honest. We well, want to that's what, Biz, not to interrupt you, I was going to say, this guy, I think people appreciate you so much because you have so much more to offer than just stories about hockey. I think that's what makes, uh, you know, people really big fan of yourself, D-Mac. Well, you know what the, uh, here's the whole thing, as we're sitting here on the 27th to the 420 in the afternoon, actually. To just ah, up, perfect. I know, that was Knock a good it segue. It's a good thing. It's because, you know what, dude, I realized after when I was not going to kill myself because I was too egotistical and, you know, it was time to get my shit together and there's more to life out of this and about being lied to. The four cups, the goal, all the new thing, all the other stuff, it just set me up so that when I talk, people sort of listen and say, oh, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm just trying to allow people to go find their own answers. I'm not I'm just, this is what worked for me. And I hate the fact that there's people out there that have feel like me or have felt like I have in the past. So I just try to give them hope. That's what, that's what I represent. I represent, represent hope in these different ways. And life is life, bro. I mean, hey, my old lady yelled at me before I came on here. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but it goes on, right? <laughs> well, hey, I think what and it she wasn't to now. do with you guys. She loves it. She loves the show. It was nothing to do with you, Admiral. Hey, imagine we were the reason for your divorce or your breakup. Uh, you, you know what? You guys are almost that powerful, but you know, I, I can really fuck one of those things up. I'm on my third. Third's the charm. I finally found the right one. Well, what we were going to yeah. ask so you. When I get yelled at, it's my part. It's my fault. It was actually my fault. <laughs> what we're going to ask of you is, is maybe you, you smoke whatever you got over there and maybe come up with a nice jingle for the Spit and Chicklets podcast, maybe our intro song. Oh, that would be huge. 
you got it, boys. I will. You just put me on task. I will. Uh, I will. You know, it's funny because I just. I, I do. I. I do have one in the in the bank that I'm using for grind time, but I'll I'll do another. I'll get one up for you. I will. I'll get. I'll definitely uh, work on the spin chip with uh, theme song tonight. All right. Well, <laughs> well awesome. hey, listen. We gotta get we gotta get into some some of your career because it's uh, it was too too special to kind of overlook. And, and my immediate question is right. You get to Detroit. You're a rookie, ninety three, ninety four. No cups there in a while. It seems like it's been a cursed franchise for a long time. And then in ninety four, ninety five, when I was twelve years old, that was the peak of my fan my fanhood in hockey. I loved the Red Wings. I loved Eisenman, and you guys got swept by the Devils. I'm wondering what changed from that season. I mean, I know you didn't win it the next year or even uh, I think the year after you did, but what kind of happened in that room? What changed after that sweep of the Devils that year? Well, I think it was a progression, and it's one of the things that I've learned is that, hey, it's self-awareness and hard work. It's uh, um, If we don't lose to New Jersey, we don't – I'm not here with four, I don't think, or we win back-to-back. But I think it was a progression – that not only because the scariest moment wasn't when we're looking. I remember Chris Japer and I standing looking down the ice, 95, watching Jersey lift, lift the cup, and him looking at me going, bro, we can't let that happen again. I'm like, I know. You know, and that wasn't the moment where you thought it, you'd never get back because you got to remember, it's like our second year, third year in the league. You know, wings are pretty good uh, coming off that season and stuff. So we're going to get back. It wasn't until the next year we set the league record 62 wins, which won't be broken <laughs> ever. And then we lose in the conference finals of Colorado, where in game six, Claude Mew hits straight from behind. We end up losing, you know, fast forward. That's the moment when we look around and go, holy shit, we may never get back. Golf Zone has been making simulators with moving floors since 2000. Two decades of innovation allow us to create over 6,800 possible ways to play the ball as it lies. Our high-speed cameras track over 7 billion shots hit by 5.5 million golfers playing 99 million rounds every year. No two experiences are ever the same, so it's no wonder Golf Zone is the number one simulator in the world. And you know, I'm looking at guys like Dino Cicerelli, who, who Hall of Fame great one of my best friends to the day but he was never able to, to lift the cup and so you it was just that moment of realization and then there was uh, the whole way that the moment and and you know i'm biased because god chose me to star in it but the opportunity was march 26 97 because of what had happened but the biggest thing because of what had happened claude you hitting draper from behind breaking his jaw breaking his orbital bone you know, not apologize and said you never hear Chris Draper. Well, we hadn't beaten Colorado throughout the, throughout the years. I don't care what sport you're playing, what age you are. When somebody owns you, somebody owns you. You gotta you gotta change that. It doesn't matter how what level you're at. So for us, winning that game was the most important. Let alone, you know, getting that you know some revenge on Lemieux, but the game to win. And so the way that it played out, and I for everybody to go watch the video because Igor Lariana, who one of the biggest pacifists in the game, probably in the history of the world, right? And Peter Forsberg, a Swede, start going at it. And I remember I'm inside the blue line, I'm on the ice, and I look over and I go, oh, man, look at puppies on Christmas morning. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, they're not going to hurt each other, but I know the muse on the ice. So there's my chance. And push comes to shove, I end up 
Get him with a great cold cock, knock him down, taking him over, smash his face on the board. Goalies are fighting. Shannon's playing ballerina with Bob. Bernie's beating up Bob. You know, all this stuff's going on. We got that revenge, right? But we're down 5-3 in the third. And then we tie it up, and yours truly scores the overtime goal. And it was at that moment. Fucking A. And at that moment, and it wasn't in the rink, and it wasn't in the city, wasn't in the state, the country, in the world. It was like, shit, dude, I believe in other planets, man. So the Red Wing Nation in the universe, right? It was the proverbial rate then was the moment where it was like the sigh. It's going to be all right. I don't know what that means, but it's going to be all right. Because up to that point, you never thought we were tough enough. You never thought that when push came to shove, we had the rushing five. We had this. We had that. We had the – no. What we had was a bunch of guys that loved each other and go to war. But you know what that's like, that when you're in a dressing room and you look beside you and you know that that guy's pulling as hard on the rope as you are, um, there's nothing that you don't think you can accomplish. And so, in hindsight, we go and we – when, you know, beat Philly, Sweden, 97, I end up getting to score the only goal. I beat somebody one-on-one my whole career. Sorry, Yanni Ninema. It was a good time. And, uh, Absolutely dangled him. And, 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 but the best part of that is, you know, my Christmas card, first Christmas card goes to every year? Eric Yanni. Lindros. He scored, no, Eric Lindros. He scored with 13 seconds left to make mine the game winner. That's yeah. So yeah, so you don't right because I don't know if you know this but Stanley Cup game winners once time goes by they can't take that away from you either, bro. No, that'll be History, staying there forever, D-Mac. That's staying there forever. You know, to look back cuz hindsight now obviously and then the propel and you got to understand people ask me about 97-98 it it's two cups but it's sort of one year because the accident of Vladimir Konstantinov and Petitsov and the Matsikanov from the Seuss that put arguably one of the best, you know, best defensemen in the game that people don't realize he's just an assassin in Vladimir Konstantinov. Um, he was one of those goalies, or he was one of those D-men with, probably sort of like you that, that in the shootouts, or if you give him a breakaway, he's like money. Like you want it, you want him. And I, I saw that Vladimir Konstantinov scores seven breakaway goals in 96 seasons. That's what I'm talking about. It was they didn't make him like that. He come, he'd be so lucky. He'd come out of the box, boom, breakaway, backhand shot, backhand shot. Yeah, yeah. But go ahead. So I'm sorry. Uh, March 26, 1997. That's actually one of the dates I have written down on my bullet points here. Obviously, like you mentioned, a huge day, a huge day in the team history and league history. One of the greatest rivalries, not only in hockey but in sports. Now, as far as you and, and Lemieux, the scrap you had, did you pre-plan on dragging him over to the dasher and kind of smashing his face off, kind of like, you know, showing this is where you hit Draper? Or was that just spur of the moment, just in like the insanity of the moment you decided to do it? Well, it was spur. It was, hey, I figured that the first thought I had was stick my skate through his throat, and I figured that was a little excessive. I wouldn't have got away with that. So I figured smashing his face against the boards when I saw Draper sit right there, because if you go back to the video – Drake's face gets smashed in the boards in Colorado right in front of me. And he's not only my centerman, you know, the grind line, he's my best friend. So it was way, way, way personal. It was way, way personal that if I didn't get him then, I would have got him. I would have got him somewhere. Hey, D, you're <laughs> so like, it, it, it I'm going to step on his throat, and then you hit the weed pen. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to drag him <laughs> over and slap him around. Yeah, him. no, yeah. You know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> See, that's the whole thing. See, weed weed is saving lives everywhere. That's preach it, kid. Preach it, you know, and get educated and preach it. 
<laughs> now, in that game, like, Darren, how, you know, how do you balance the need, you know, the desire for revenge versus, you know, not costing your team in that, in that situation? Did, did you say, fuck it, and I'm going to do what I got to do here? Or, or do you have to, like, have some sort of balance going on there? No, like I said, the most important thing was to win the hockey game. So, so you're looking at – I'm looking at every opportunity I can – within not doing something stupid to cost my team. And the way that it plays out, I mean, watch it. It's brilliant the way that it, that it plays out. Um, but it was one of those things that if it was like the end of the game and something hadn't done, I would have jumped in the bench or gone in the dressing room or oh, something yeah. like that. But, but you know, because like, it was, uh, that, you know, that's how important it was. But the game was more important than the revenge. And I honestly mean that. And, you know, everybody knew that. Hey, I'm wondering. You mentioned, um, you know, your 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 lifelong friendship now with Chris Draper and Kirk Maltby also made up the third guy in the grind line. When did you realize that that you three had something going? It clicked together where you were like, "Oh my God, we're going to be able to be the best third, fourth line in the league." And and I'm just wondering, like, at what moment did you realize, "Well, we got something here." Well, see, the the grind line is it's sort of an enigma. Wendell Clark said it the best before the uh, 2013 outdoor game when he said, oh, man, there's four years on the grind line. No wonder they're so hard to play against because you put Joey – because I was like the beginning rover where Joey Kosher would start, and this sort of started back in like 97, where I would start the games and and match up, and then I'd go and play with Stevie and Sandstrom or Holmstrom, but I'd play with Stevie during the game, and then I'd lock it down with the grind line until Joey was gone after 98, then i you know, assume the role where we were aligned the whole time, you know, where we want to know too and stuff. But um, we honestly, you know, I scored 55 in junior. Malt scored 50 in junior. Drapes ran around with these little blue blades and a choker chain, but was fast as fast as shit. So, so <laughs> you knew what you were dealing with. And I, and, and I will tell you, it doesn't matter when you're tight off the ice and you're like brothers and you'll do anything. I don't know how many times I went into piles and saying, Guys are saying this asshole, Draper, this asshole, Malpy, and I'd be like, yeah, but they're my assholes now, what? you know. So it was something that we relished in being able to shut down the top lines and make it hard to play against. And also, too, all of us score have scored big goals in our career at key times. So, um, you know, it, it's something that between Maltz, Drapes, myself, Holmstrom, and Nicklich from we all have four cups, and it's something that uh, to be in that category is uh, something I'll always cherish. This is kind of a tough inter- interview considering we have to talk to you about so many like iconic players you played with. And like, I mean, let's start off with Sergei Fedorov. I mean, Russian players are on their own planet to begin with, but he was like, he was like a sex icon kind of, wasn't he dating Anna Kornikova? And he was just like, like, what was it like? Oh, yeah. Guy white skates. Like that was fucking insane back then. It was, but you know what the best part, and you realize it, and this is what I tell you about Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman wasn't the greatest coach in history. He was the greatest psychologist in history. And he just knew who to put together and how. Like the Russian five, Sergey, I don't think works as well without being insulated. And insulated by, you know, by Stevie. And, you know, one of the greatest, he's one of the greatest talented guys you've ever seen. Like, and, it, and I explained Sergey's shot. It was like shot out of a missile, but it like, it was one that it wouldn't really hurt you if it hit you, but you couldn't see it. It was like the like a pellet gun, you know, like like one of those things. But it was off his stick so quick, and he could fly and 
panache and I think the way that Scotty knew for us to be successful, you got a you got a nineteen and a ninety one and an Eiserman and a Fedorov going at full speed when Sergey can be himself. And we that's the one thing is that in our dressing room, you know, that's the difference between I see in the games these days, they're all robots. Back in my back in my day it was like at least in the uh, mid nineties and whatever, you still had individuals. And you had you were embraced, at least in our locker room, and I think that was the greatness of, of Scotty and what he learned you know, that you don't treat everybody the same way because they're not all the same. So, you know, Sergey was one of the and, – and Sergey was more misunderstood than anything. I love Sergey. He was a great guy. But, you know, maybe being away, it was like, you know, not the language and the – I think people – he got a bad rap more because he cared more than people, you know, let on. It's because when you're that talented, everything looks so easy. You know, that's – I hey – I was an awful skater, but it looked like I was working my ass off the whole time I was doing it, right? You know, like, you can't say, you watch me skate, and it's like, oh, he's not working hard. Oh, look at that poor guy. He's running on skate. You know, like, better off if you like, is he really going anywhere? And, you know, that's 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 the good part about being being a slug like Z-Man. Yeah, you guys are doing laps to warm up for practice. You're like, look how hard McCarty's going. You're like, I'm just kind of glad no here. Fuck, it's not my fault it looks like this. <laughs> right, exactly. You, yeah, exactly. From a guy that can skate like the wind. Hey, listen, Fedorov, you must have been sh- not shocked. I mean, I guess you see how skilled he is, but you'd be shocked now to see a star forward go back and play D when there were some injuries. I mean, how incredible is that that he could just hop back and just play twenty minutes a game at the back end for, as a superstar forward? I think that back in those back uh in the mid 90s like the late 90s that it might be easier because you can get away with a lot more but yeah. he was so talented he could play anywhere but again and you know it depends on who you're who you're playing them with but i mean it was like the old they used to uh back when i played in the ohl in niagara falls with uh Forger, they used to call the 41 offense with, uh, because brian Forger set the league record you know with like the fourth forward you know like they played 1d that's what it was sort of like with sergey but also, too, is that you got to remember, Sergey was one of the best defensive forwards there was, yeah. you know, in the game, too. I mean, they so that's the whole thing. He cared about the defensive end. You know, you saw that. You saw, like, a guy like Pavel Datsuk. He did, too. You know, where'd they learn that from? There you are. You know, it, it, it all passes down. So, and even, know, us, I... even, our slugs, uh, even our slugs picked up some stuff, you know, just from being around them. Osmosis, bro. <laughs> that's real i need to ask about another legend uh pretty much my idol growing up besides eiserman is nick lidstrom i know maybe a quiet guy but what was it like playing with him any funny stories or just pretty much in awe every day of what he could do i know babcock one time called him the perfect hockey player yeah the, the perfect human or whatever oh the one thing about nick is that yeah he, he wasn't a uh i got a lot of work but the sense of humor too and and I don't know how many times that you'd come down and practice on him and he used to stick that stick on your hand and give you the handcuffs and you go limp back in the day. They put the rule in where you couldn't do that pretty much just for him because he was so good at it. But um, I tell everybody, yeah, he was as, not only as good of a player, so you got arguably, you know, you're going to say either Lidstrom or Bobby Orr and depends who were the greatest to play defense. Well, as great as he was as a uh, player, he's a better person. So, I mean, you can't – if there's a king of Sweden, I'd, it'd be Lidstrom. So, I mean, you can't – the Swedes are just made like that, though. Swedes are good dudes. You heard it here. 
Um, just going back to Scotty Bowman for a second, was, was he big into head games or was he more direct when dealing with players? And, you know, also, how did he motivate guys if, if guys needed a, a little extra kick in the pants? See, it was different. And Scotty was the king of head games because he used to call him Rain Man, not to his face, behind his back, you know, 226. <laughs> because, but the thing, here's the, here's the key. When you quit trying to figure it out and just go with it, like, oh, okay, I know it's going to work out because it always does. And he sees it five or six moves down ahead of this. And it, you just, then you end up trusting it. And then you'd see it play out. But, oh, mind games. Like, if you wanted to get Shanny going, you had to get him to go get Irish. You had to, like, Shanny's not moving his feet. Shanny's not moving his feet and let him hear. But Scotty was the best that, you know, he'd get behind you on the bench. Like, for me, if you wanted to yell at me, he turned to Barry Smith. It was right behind, right? They're both standing behind me. And he'd yell at me, but yell at Barry. Would never yell at me. He'd yell at Barry, and Barry would go, You get that? I'd be like, Yeah. And so, different guys, he'd, like, for me, you got to sort of, he realized to have the animal. You got to sort of have the animal in the cage and out of the cage and, you know, different guys, you know, you know, it was Stevie's team. He allowed, you know, allowed it to be Stevie's team, but it was, you know, it was such a, di- a dynamic. And I always tell everybody the three biggest moves for us to get over the edge and win the cup is Brendan Shanahan trade for Primo and coffee from Hartford um, early in the 96, 97 season. And then Larry Murphy at the deadline and signing Joey Kosher on the beer league because, the kicker to that was we call him Papa for a reason, and it was sort of like he came in and took all us Cubs like myself and Drapes and Malt, and Mario LaPointe, Dandino, Aaron Borg, Haji, just under the blanket. And, and sort of he was our then Papa, I guess you could say. And, you know, you, I don't know about you, but you never wanted to get on his wrong side. So it worked out. It worked out just the way that I guess you would expect it to be. There was uh, – I wouldn't say much of a pecking order, but I'll tell you at the end of the day, Scotty knew exactly what strings he was pulling. Darren, how confident was that Wings team on a nightly basis? Did you guys like basically feel you could win every game you were suiting up for during that era? Oh yeah, no, no, no question. Especially with the yeah, uh, you know, there's some some places, some games depending on uh, you know, depending on back to backs and. Stuff like this, but no, the confidence with the lineup. I mean, look, and I look at the O2 team, you know, with all the Hall of Famers, I think there's 10 or 11 of them, or at least to be, anyways. And, you know, it, it's, it was crazy. It's, it's crazy just to be, I say that I'm so grateful just to be a cog in the wheel. And, uh, you know, that's how I looked at everybody. Everybody was just as important the role that they played in every Stanley Cup win, um, how big or how small, if it doesn't get done. Uh, then we don't win. Darren, uh, would it be safe to say you were a card player on the plane? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what were you guys playing? And what was – hey, we, we had Big Walt and JR on, and they were talking about some heavy, heavy pots. Listen to me. Back in the day, Slava Fatisov, which that's, that's the, 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 big, uh, the big bear. He's the big grizzly bear. Big Russian bear. He brought this game called Helicopter, right? And it's played with it's played with ace to eight. Um, depending on how many people there are, but there can be as many people as long as you get. Uh, I think it was like five cards or whatever, like this. And literally, yeah, there'd be it, blue light specials. Everybody know what blue light specials are? Oh, yeah. Blue oh, light yeah. special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there was some. There was some heavy mid 
mid five figure checks going around for a minute till some five till some blue light specials went on. But they're uh, yeah, that game that game got stopped um, <laughs> because uh, they're, 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 guys guys were in jeopardy of losing paychecks. Gilbert so, Arena showed up with a gun. And you're yeah, like, All right, right? It's time to time to shut this down, boys. <laughs> Right, pretty much something like that, except the white, except the white, no, the Canadian. That's when the coach, the coach, the captain's go, and the guys look around, and that's the thing to have the experienced team where we go, yeah, this isn't probably, you know, gonna end good for the team wise. So we, uh, it ended to be, I guess we didn't stop playing, and we changed games or went back to it, but there was always a cap on it. Yeah, you, you used K- to get burned, and you, oh, dude, hey, yeah, you oh, get the man, KGB following you around town. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> you never you never know. It was getting that it was getting that deep anyway. Well, hey, what's the most Russian thing you've ever seen from one of your Russian teammates? <laughs> like you're like, "Okay, this like what why is there 12 guys in the locker room right before the game?" <laughs> you know what? Uh never at that, but you'd see some uh you see in you know different places uh you on the road where you see a few of the guys uh, slicking out some nice cars and stuff. So that's, that's you know, they're, they're uh, not that anything was wrong with that, but I'll tell you the best thing is that Igor and uh, Kazi used to have these friends in Vancouver, um, these older ladies that they were Russian ladies that they knew or whatever, and we used to go and they took me for dinner there. This, and that was the greatest experience of homemade Russian, you know, borscht and whatever else, other because it was better – Canadian Russian food is better than Russian Russian food. I'll just tell you that. I've been there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Darren, you, sure. you also you won a cup on the Bowman. You also won one uh, on the Mike Babcock, correct? Yes, I did. No way. What was, uh, what was the difference between those two coaching styles? Uh, were any similarities, any major differences between the two of them? Absolutely. Polar opposites. Mike Babcock is the greatest. Preparation, X's and O's, practice intensity, um, prepare you for a game, um, and then Scotty Bowman is behind the bench. Now, this is ten years ago, Mike Babcock, and uh, and I see a lot of maturity and stuff throughout what it did back then. Now, you got to understand is that when I came back in '08, I had to convince him that he was the last one to figure out that you know I I told I always tell Kenny Holland you haven't won a cup without me in the lineup since '55. In 08, I knew that my four or five minutes a game, whatever like that, subbing in, just being there, being around the guys, these are my guys. I knew I knew what they needed. Babcock admitted I ended up getting to play 17 out of 22 games to get back on the cup. But um, I've never seen anybody more prepared and better practices and, and, and not be prepared behind the bench. And then a guy who not prepare anything, Scotty Bowman, and know exactly – when to chomp that ice and who to put out there because whenever he got mad and would put three different guys from different lines on, they go out and score and you could never argue. That's the difference. Scotty had it figured out on the whole different, you know, that's the way the game, as the game evolved, technology evolved and, you know, hence we have what we have now, which is not my game. It's incredible to think back to 07, 08. You started in the IHL with the Flint Generals, and then you go up to Grand Grand Rapids. So I'm assuming the season started, and you say, I'm going to get back in that Red Wings lineup. But you had to be the only one thinking it was possible at that point, no? No, here's the thing. I was coming off my third sport hernia surgery in in Calgary, coming out of rehab again for the fourth time. Um, I had decided to come back. Didn't have a contract or whatever. 
And it was December, and it was one of those things that I was always taught is that do everything the best of your ability so you never have to say what if. And I still had a what if left. And I knew that the team needed me, so who did I go to? I went to Drake. And I said, Drake, I just, you know, I just, to Drake and Kenny, actually, and I just said, you know what, what would it take? I had to get cleared by the league because I was in the program, and, but I did everything I needed to do. I was clean and working hard at that. And I just wanted to play and just at least to, to succeed or to fail, but to prove to myself. This was yep. the, the last one was for me. So I went back and actually, because the last, you know, the since the, like, oh, probably oh three, but oh four, oh five, oh six, like there, just, it was a business. I didn't enjoy the game and I didn't like the game. And it was more just, I was coming to the end, I knew. And, but it was something I was going to give it. And I went and played in Flint and I started loving the game again. I, you know, obviously when you're playing in the eye, you get to, play power play and tons of ice time it was like something that you know what they they called me up to grand rapids no promises on a player trial first game there i got a hat trick and assist so i figured oh yeah you know i'm on the way and was brought something like i said where i was able to get called up um and get in the lineup for three of the games of the regular season and then i think the mule got hurt the first round homer got hurt in the second round and the mule is fond beyond prompts by the way um and uh so they got hurt, and I ended up playing 17 out of 22 games and, you know, came back to the 09 and just wasn't the same and went down helping Grand Rapids and then was, was happy to be able to go out on, you know, my way. That's the only thing is that I – that, that's what I was – in the back of my mind, it was my dad always saying, you know what, do it the best ability so you never have to say what if. And that was my what if. And uh, and Bear actually told me that you were just so huge for that 08 team. He said even the games you weren't playing, you're dressed for warm-ups and then be talking to guys in between periods or talking to the team uh, at intermissions. Is, is that true? Oh, yeah. I would never take my gear off, bro. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I go half down because I knew it was near the end. But it was like, yeah, and I mean, like like you said, and here's 10 years ago, Bear, yeah, Bear would come in and, you know, bitching about something about, you know, something up front of the net but grinding away and you just pick out some things that just help because you know the one thing is that you got to understand is that I could see the things that I n- knew that the guys that, that I'd won with with the Drapes and the Malts and the and the Knicks and the Cronwalls and the Dutterbergs and the that I mean they're the Franzens the guys that I played with is just to be another set of eyes or another something to you know help and and I loved it it would tell it's telling enough you know, you want to yep. talk about the biggest kid in the block, Chris Chelios, dude, we would stay in our gear. And to the fact that, you know, even to uh, to when we won at the buzzer uh, in 08, where we were able to come out on the ice and all geared up. And it was just, it was a blast. And the one thing I tell about Dan Cleary, Dan Cleary has the worst absolute in the history of Stanley Cup final buzzers winning the cup. His standing there in the deer in the headlights, not turning around and grabbing Ozzy and sit there. Did you, like, I know you don't care about it, Whit, because it's a bad moment for you. But, I mean, it's the worst, if you want to say, that's the worst ever reaction to winning the cup by a human history, Dan Cleary. Number 11. Suck on that, man. we got to get the clip up on the Instagram. I know exactly what you're talking about, bro. Right? The puck slides across. Host just missed. Ozzy's laying down. Ozzy gets up, drops the club. Bear's like, what, what, what? It's like, oh. Oh. hey, Bear's I like, almost beat him the No, Bear's like, oh, my, my hockey school's going to make so much money. That was going, oh, shit. <laughs> you know Not being fired. <laughs> hey, Darren, uh, there, 
Darren, there were a few years between your third cup and your fourth cup. And, you know, you went through some personal issues in that time. Now, going back to the locker room, you know, I do remember looking over at one point and seeing you sitting there and you were just kind of like soaking it all in. You had a little bit of a smile on your face, just kind of absorbing that, you know, you were in the minor leagues a few months ago and now here you are are winning yet another cup. Because of everything you had been through, did that fourth one mean even more to you than the other three? I wouldn't say that. You know, when they talk about cups, they're like kids. They all have their own story. You know, they all have their own story. The, the last one, it was just to, to – so when I tell the story now or that, you know, to tell people is that, like I said, enjoy my truth. Here's living proof, you know, that, that you don't ever have to, you know, succumb to – like if you want something bad enough, it's, it's all about how hard are you going to work to do it. But it's self-awareness of what you have to do to do it. For me, I guess you could say that, but that was just special in so many other ways to be able to share it and and to be there. And I guess maybe the thing what you saw is just that as you get older, I think we can all say we appreciate some things a little bit more and might take a little bit more time and enjoy them. And I know that I, that's one of the things that I if I reminded myself that if you do, this will be the last one. Let's get up there. I want to hear some more Chelly stories because that guy uh, – Oh, holy dude, legend. Listen, listen. That's the black book you want, bro. Oh yeah, I, I and I introduced Shelly to Kid Rock, and Sergey. So, er, so yeah, so Shelly's been on the Kid Rock bandwagon. They live out in Malibu. To, you know, they 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 do a lot of stuff together. Let me clear. Uh, I pulled it up here because my guys had to see it. The worst Shelly ever. But uh, hey, he uh, friend stole. He friend stole Kid Rock from you. Shelly did. Well, he didn't friend steal. <laughs> you know, I, I I leave my mark. But he, you know, they got a lot more thing in common. He's you know, the world travel and stuff. But Chelly is the greatest. He's the godfather, right? He's the godfather. He's the greatest teammate um, for young, for anybody as far as go out of, you, out of his way. You know, the young guys come in for the playoffs, whether he's playing or not, you know, has them all over for dinner. Um, he's, just a, he's just, you know, like the godfather of the game to, to us. And he's the connect. And, you know, if any problem, you know, you go to Chelly. Hey, uh, I, asked, I can't say enough. I, I asked him to come on the podcast, and he said no. I'm, I'm convinced because it's I, – I think I fought his kid or his nephew who played for the Charlotte Checkers. Is, is that his actual son? Um, Jake or – would have been Jake or uh, – if it could have been. You, you could have you could have you could have fought him and you know what? He's Greek, so yes, he would have hold a grudge and that is why he won't come on. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my great Telly story because I'll tell you this. So you gotta imagine, right? I used to chase Telly around my first few years. He used to try to kill Sergey. Like literally like kill Sergey. And there's a couple, you know, where I uh a couple times where Telly I'd get him in the in the corner or there'd be like a melee and stuff and he'd just make me laugh and I could never like could never like finish like you know pummel him or do anything like that because he was such a good guy even then so when he came to Detroit you know which is which is huge it's like you know back in the day Telly was like the most hated guy and then he came to came to our team and from day one you know what I mean he just endeared he was awesome I, I remember the first few days he was there we used to have the shitty old stick room with this like couch with this TV on him and I sat there, we watched Zorba the Greek. And he explained to me that that was Gus, his old man. And then when I met Gus a few weeks later, it sure as shit was. Anthony Quinn is, was Chelly's dad. And uh, so, you know, that's just the type of guy Chelly is. But again, the type of guy Chelly is, is he will hold a grudge. 
Hey, he he had to have been tanning during his career. He he he's always got that beautiful tan, like he's living in Hollywood. You never heard? You never heard of the famous Chris Chelios desert ride? No. Every day, every morning, seven a.m. for an hour in the sauna, he would ride the bike for an hour in the sauna. It's a des- the desert ride. That's his skin every day. Get the demons out, whatever you know might not have slept. But he'd be in there every morning for an hour in the sauna, riding the bike. I mean, it was a. I got onto it. I got onto it, you know, when I came back in '08 and stuff. Is a great way to shed weight and stuff. But that's I. I swear that's why. And plus, he's Greek, so I mean, the sun's from the gods, anyways. So would he ever go? uh, Would he ever go LeBron James style cramps on, on during practice? No. Never. I cannot. Yeah, I don't know how you practice after that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, I no, dude, because, listen, because because he was the most like he had all the old school techniques down or whatever like that. No, and then he'd be out there and he'd be 45 years old and just buzzing around the ice. And the thing is with Chelly is that to this day he's still the most competitive guy out there. You never want to be on fish Chelly or Drapes. You want you don't want to play against him. Because they still think that they're, you know, still think they can play in the show. Or they're still, you know, campaigning for, for position or something. I don't know. Hey, Me uh, retired means I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> D-Mac, do you still watch a lot of hockey? Are you still kind of involved in the game at all? Or what's the deal with that? Yeah, you know what? I, I try to uh, – I'm, I'm in and about. Uh, I'll be doing it a little bit. Now I move back a little bit more um, – in Grand Rapids and stuff like this. But you know what? I actually, it's funny to bring that up because I just realized I got a couple TVs in my basement. I was actually watching two hockey games the other day, which I don't think I've ever done. So I'm, I'm, it's a different game than, than my, the game that I was brought up on, but I'm beginning to enjoy, you know, like the, the talent and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, Batman hockey, what do you want? It's right down to the last wire. The last game is going to mean five playoff spots and three teams making it, and it's just the way it is. You know, it's the way that it, the game is, but I enjoy it more than I did, you know, a month ago. So well, uh, that answers your question. No, that does. But we'll, uh, I mainly wanted to ask it because around playoff time, will you agree to maybe come back on? Because this has been phenomenal. I know we've taken up a lot of your oh, time. I, We'd love to have you back. No, no. Yeah, absolutely, bro. You, you hit me up and we'll we'll break it down. I'll have it I'll have it all broke down by then. Perfect. We work. I'll hit you up before then because I'm gonna be working on this jingle for you. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You better hit that fucking weed pad and get our jingle going, buddy, because there's a bit of a time restraint. We need that thing before playoffs. Well, well, that's that's easy. And uh, you and you know what? Those uh, you guys have fun with those pens. I just play straight blunts, bro. Straight flower, <laughs> guy. This flower. Maybe Chelly's just – Chelly's still pissed out. I interrupted his uh, cup celebration back the night I got my picture with Darren. Could well, be that. They, or you didn't ask him for the picture. <laughs> I, I sniped one of them. I could have been it, too. I could have hey. been it, too. I want to see this picture, bro. Yeah. yeah I, it'll, be out on, it'll be out on Instagram. Uh, hey, tell the people where they can hear the grind time, all the stuff you're doing. All right. One sec. Here we go. Uh, grindtimepodcast.com. Uh, Grind Time with Darren McCurdy on Facebook. Grind Time Podcast on Instagram at Grind Time DMAC 25 on Twitter. Email me at uh, email at grindtimepodcast.com. But uh, you'll hear more, uh, more of me definitely in the future. Uh, 
I got dmac25.com coming out in uh, January, so I'll reach back to you guys then, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been a hey, anytime. hey, quickly before we go, what's the handicap at right now? Yeah, you, it's still five, bro. It's just, what? It's just, it's just gross, bro. It's just, Dude, I, just, I, I, always, I, I always thought of you as a, as a one, a one to two guy, just out I there was, even I, par. I, I, I was, I was that guy, but. You know that now this friggin' the guy. I'm trying this Deschambeau shit and the single length stuff. And, Get the fuck you know, out of You're not Bryson Deschambeau. You're the opposite of him. That's right. That's it. I didn't know. I didn't know. Working on again. I didn't know Affliction made golf shirts. <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, I bought that. That's a great so fucking. There's my next email. Affliction <laughs> golf shirts. Here we go. <laughs> hey, the pleasure was all ours, Darren. It was a blast having yeah, you. Yeah, you're a beauty, buddy. See you, bud. Thanks, Witch. All right, Admiral. See ya. Take care, bro. There's a reason Golf Zone is the number one golf simulator in the world. Adjustable lies. Auto T. 95 million rounds and over 7.5 billion shots tracked a year. But. Sir, there's no camping. I want to live here. I know, sir. Can I please live here? <sighs> I'm afraid not, sir. Please? <sighs> golf Zone. The hardest thing is leaving. Man, Darren McCarty, what a great interview that was. Uh, it's so funny, man. I, I hung out with him in a locker room, took a picture, and then I hear him 10 years later interviewing the guy. It's funny how life turns out. Because we were just talking about all the props you were getting. Did you happen to see the sign at the World Juniors uh, Wednesday night? Someone made a sign that said, I got these tickets with promo code BIZ20. And on the other side, they said, what's the state tax in Finland? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I retweeted that last night. Uh, fuck, man, I love our fans. And, and we've, somebody, been, we've been stroking our fans off all episode. Hey, I wasn't got, stroking anyone off at the tailgate and I chirped my jeans. I was just ripping <laughs> into them. I wasn't stroking anyone off. And somebody from Finland actually chimed in and said, yeah, they're pretty high over here. Someone on, on the Twitter feed, which is love absolutely it. hilarious. So uh, just a little news and notes maintenance we like to do on the show here. Uh, a couple of big guys are going to be out for a bit. Um, Ottawa defenseman Thomas Shabbat, he's going to be out for a few weeks with the old UBI. He got hurt last Friday versus the Isles after a hit from Matt Martin. Looked like it might have caught his melon a bit. Uh, Sens weren't happy about it, a little bit of a scrap after. And also Big Buff, uh, he's going to be out for a little bit. He, he got dinged up, going to be out. A couple of all-star caliber players, just want to let everyone know about that in case they didn't know. Uh, Edmonton made a few trades. They traded forward Drake uh, Kajula and defenseman Jason Garrison to Chicago for defenseman Brandon Mann and uh, defenseman Robin Norell. I think he's a uh, minor league. Uh, Edmonton also traded defenseman Alexander Petrovich to Florida in exchange for defenseman Chris Weidman and a conditional third. Hey, uh, quickly, shout out to Oilers, um, one of the beat writers there for one of the papers, Rob Tchaikovsky, I'm pretty sure you say his name like that. He has some very good tweets occasionally. He's, like, really good at chirping. He said, uh, the Edmonton Oilers finally got Brandon Manning back for his hit on Connor McDavid by acquiring Brandon, Brandon Manning. <laughs> that is unbelievable. How many tweets Oh my God, that is that's a that's like a fire tweet right there. Yeah, he's got some good ones on. That's quality. Uh, one other trade that had just happened, I believe, it was yesterday morning. Ottawa Senators traded uh, their backup goalie Mike McKenna and forward Tom Pyatt in a six round to uh, in the 2019 draft to the Canucks for the Canucks backup Anders Nilsson and minor league winger Darren Archibald. Uh, Vancouver GM did say they want to get a look at that Thatcher Demko. They drafted him on 2014 second round pick. 
highly prized prospect, so they want to get a look at him soon. Uh, and also, congrats to uh, Brent Burns, who played in his 1,000th NHL game. Yet another guy who reached that plateau this year. He's such an interesting character. Uh, his career seems to be flying by a thousand games already, Biz. That seems like I got here pretty quick, eh? Probably one of the most interesting men in hockey. Um, I actually had the chance to talk to him at last year's All-Star game when I uh, jumped in all over Rick Marsden's luggage and, and just basically piggyback him through the whole trip. Uh, when he was first playing pro, he used to uh, cruise around in an RV with his, with his wife. And as they started having kids, he started buying bigger and bigger RVs. And every summer he would drive around like the country and just basically point to a place on the map and drive there with his wife. And they would, you know, just uh, camp and, and do outdoorsy things. Cause everyone's well aware he's an outdoorsy kind of guy. And, uh, and I talked to him and I said, we got to do a content piece. And he was like, sure. I'd love to. Now he, he still has his biggest RV, but he actually purchased a ranch uh, in the state of Texas. I don't know where it is. But I think it would be fun to, uh, to like, get together with this guy and maybe spend a few days on his ranch and get a content piece. Uh, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if uh, what's Wit over there could handle a few days on the ranch. Uh, maybe, maybe if they got changing the sheets every night and he's getting the, the Ritz I'm like, Carlton. What, yeah, I'm like, what thread, what thread count are the sheets at your ranch? He's just like, you're not coming. <laughs> <laughs> but, no uh, chance Whitney would put that camouflage stuff in his face to go hunting. I mean, I told you guys, I've ki- I killed a little bird in eighth grade. I said I'd never kill an animal again. I felt so bad. I was also three feet away with a BB gun. But um, yeah. Brent Burns, Brent Burns, I think, would be just electric with us, uh, especially if it was on tape. I mean, the guy, we've, we've gone over how many animals he has. He basically has a zoo. How, Biz, was he, like, is he a guy who doesn't even, like, how, is his training good like, when he was on those cross-country oh. trips? Hey, so he would like he would stop at convenience stores at like Seven Eleven, and he would whip out his weights out of the back of his RV, and he would do workouts at like outside of Seven yeah, Eleven. <laughs> like this guy is is the most interesting man in the world world for crying out loud. So I don't I don't know how he I don't know how he kept all of his uh, animals occupied though. I don't know if he brought some of them with him because he I and mean he, he's got he also ahead. played. I mean he was a forward. You know, he's a defense. I think he came into did he come into the league as a forward. I mean, either way, he's just he's a very special player that I think the the league actually makes a pretty good effort of really kind of pumping him out there because his face is so recognizable and his game's so good and his tattoos and the beard and the missing teeth. Uh, but still, I hope I hope he kind of gets his personal brand going out there even more. I don't think he really cares that much. He's got enough money where he uh, he could be wiping his face after he eats a meal with a hundred dollar bills for the rest of his life. It wouldn't even affect him. But still, he's a he's a very interesting guy that I hope we can see more of. Yeah, he's got that ranch down in Texas. He hunts all his own food down there. And in addition to like you said, which he owns, he has a ton of animals. He likes reptiles and snakes and lizards and all that stuff. So definitely a guy who'd love to talk to. And he was just named to uh, the All Star team as well. Um, uh, speaking of Burns, I think I've told the story on the pod before, but I, I didn't know who Brent Burns was and he was in my draft class and I want to say he went 20th overall, the Minnesota wild and they announced his name. And I was like, Brent Burns, who the fuck is that? And this big, big guy gets up, he hugs his parents. He's got a, a tie on with a short sleeve dress shirt. Have you ever seen somebody wear a short sleeve dress shirt to the NHL draft? No, Simple, it's. No, and and he and he walks down, and, and I think he only had about twenty points in junior that year. But uh, and I I want to say he was a forward at that point, and they drafted this guy. Uh, basically, part of the reason why they drafted him so high too was his uh, his combine. This guy's a freak of nature off yeah. the ice, just naturally. Uh, his VO two max is through the roof. So they took a stab at him. I think by the time he got into the NHL, 
he 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 now started playing as a defenseman. Then he went to forward again. Then now he's back as a D man. So as you said, very very weird career, similar to Fedorov, right? Yeah, very except true. the opposite. Both freaks. Yeah, he was traded off uh, Charlie Coyle and Devin Setaguchi way back when. He he was a forward for a bit, and like I just said, he was mentioned to the All Star team. Uh, the rosters were announced. Uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at him yet. I know you've been struggling the last couple of days. They got announced yesterday. Have you seen I, him? I, I looked at him. Keith Yandel. Thank you. Yeah, congrats, Yandel. Very close friend of the program. We always talk about him. That's nice to make another All-Star game for him. You know what? People are bitching about no Marner. Uh, I understand that. I think Morgan Riley almost has as big of a beef as anyone. You understand why Austin Matthews is there, obviously. But um, guys are going to be – it's, it's like every year you bitch about who got snubbed. Dude, like every team has to have a guy. It's three on three. Not that many people make each division. So just like take it for what it's worth. And I thought our boy Jeff Merrick had a great tweet. He said so many people bitch about the All-Star game. Every kid loves it. I remember I went to the All-Star game in 95 when it was in Boston. Bork scored the game winner. I went to the skills the night before. It was like one of my most memorable things. So the All-Star game is really for kids. They love it. They love the night before with the skills challenge. Now, fans, maybe, maybe you don't have to watch it. Dude, it's, it's not for you. Not every piece of like, content or everything the NHL does is going to be for you. So enough with the complaining about the snubs in the game and realize that everyone there deserves to be there and there's always going to be a couple dudes who got left out. And mind you, they don't give a shit. They're going on vacation. Ovechkin, we saw, he decided not to play in the game, which means you get a one-game suspension. You got to pick. You, you got to miss the game. First game back from the break or last game before the break. Good for him. Good for Ovi. Dude, he's lighting it up. They won the cup. He wants to be rested for the second break. I mean, flying out cross-country to San Jose, it's not easy. I mean, people are dogging him for that. Fuck off. He needs to get his rest. He needs to get – they also, I think, have their, their bye week along with the All-Star break. So he'll be ready to go in the second half. And the All-Star game will be fun. There's no reason to complain. So when I, when I saw people complaining about the Marner one, I'm thinking – is there any way they could change the, the setup up or, or, or the system in order to get like, cause that's a, I wouldn't say it's a snub, but it's just like, damn, that guy's not going to be in the all-star game. Like obviously well-deserved, uh, well-deserving. Like I, I tried to think of a format of where they could implement more players, but there's just like nothing to do because you don't want to go back to five on five, exactly. back to boring hockey. Exactly. So three on three, I think is genius. Would it be smart maybe to go back to like four on four, maybe? Considering no one's really playing that hard anyway, so there's a lot of like breakdowns and, and odd man rushes just yeah. in order to squeeze like three, four more guys in. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know if that's worth it because of how exciting three on three is. By the way, Marner's dad probably lost his mind. Somebody get a mic in that guy's face. <laughs> he sees uh, the All Star team's release and just smashed his window in his house. Just ripping Tavares and. He, uh, he calls Mitch. He's like, it's okay, dad. It's, it's all right, man. It's okay. That's no, it's not. Point, there's about you know they're only playing three on three so you don't need as many players but yeah you can't get too mad about it it's just an all-star game every team deserves a guy who's not going to be there and you know there might be a guy who gets there who shouldn't so yeah the all-star game's coming it's a nice weekend and uh you know there could be some surprises that weekend as well all right boys uh time for another ra's gambling corner we got we got my funds got uh reimbursed pretty good by Aaron Donald bet came through Sunday. Yes, congrats to you. Congrats love the right. NFL and sacks. I put that in back in September, twenty-five to one. Won't say what I had on him, but a little. How bit. many sacks did he finish with? I want to say nineteen and a half. I think he won by three or four sacks. He had a nice lead going. That'll get it. Yeah. 
So I was pretty good. Gave me my bank account a little a little uh, encouragement to keep gambling like a degenerate. So I got a couple picks coming up this weekend. We got the empty netter the other day. Gave me a few more bucks to play with. Okay, the Caps, and specifically Braden Hopi, had all week to steam over the 6-3 beaten at home. They suffered by Nashville's hands on Monday night. Uh, they're in Dallas Friday night, and I like them a lot, especially if I'm Braden Hopi starting. Take Washington on the money line, and if Hopi starts, follow that with the puck line as well. They're a proud team. Cup champs got embarrassed at home. Hopi gave up six goals. If he starts, uh, I think we're going to get a good start out of him. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Calgary, they're playing well lately. Flyers, uh, they're not. Uh, Calgary's in Philly for a Saturday matinee. They're going to be a good price on the money line. I'm going to take them on the money line for a unit and the puck line for a half a unit. And final pick, Saturday night, uh, Tampa Bay is in San Jose. Tampa Bay has uh, been pretty much unstoppable. Uh, I like them uh, definitely on the money line. Um, Ooh, on the road in San Jose, huh? Yeah, I, well, I, I like it's playing nice. They are, but I, I think you know, I think Tampa's okay. just a better team. I think, uh, and you get great prices on the road, especially money sure. line and, and the puck line. So uh, definitely money line, and uh, I'm going to see what the goalie's like. I'll probably have a little puck line wager too. Uh, so those are the three picks I like this week that I'm going to blow my Aaron, Aaron Donald money on. I'm, I'm going to agree with Wade on that one. I think things have been going too well lately for Tampa. I think they're going to they suffer a, a loss on the road there. So that's my uh, my uh, pick there. So, uh, boys, we have to congratulate the Boston uh, – or not the Boston, the Chicago guys for Barstool. They just went on full-time. So congratulations to the, uh, them. Uh, Barstool Chief has, has been a big supporter of our show. He even showed up to the live show, did he not? Unbelievable hair. He has some of the best hair I've ever seen in person. The live show that didn't happen. Yeah, they were all that they were all at the live show. Feidelberg was there. Oh, they all were? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they stayed due to the situation, but yeah, uh Bostool, Carl, Eddie, Chief, White Sox, Dave. Chief, me and Chief had a podcast four years ago. That my that was my very first podcast. He's a guy I, I've been talking to for six or seven years. We felt like great buddies. We finally met this week, so it was awesome to hang out with him and White Sox Dave. They're great guys. I had met Carl before and Eddie before, but people are awesome pumped. guys. People are pumped. They think these guys are legit. They, they're simply talking about sports and humor, uh, you know, for the ones who complain about maybe like the, like the, the other stuff going on at Barstool. Yeah, the they're, not into the dra- they're not into the drama, the office drama. They just make yeah. people laugh. And like you said, third biggest city in the country. They should have a really, you know, Barstool-centric office Yeah, there. maybe we'll uh, ask them if they can uh, get us an audio guy next time where they're doing a live show. <laughs> uh, the World Juniors are still going on. Grinelli, what's the, uh, what's the update there? Oh, man, did you guys – were you guys able to catch any of the games last night? They were unbelievable. I mean, one of the best nights I've seen in World Juniors in a long time. Tons of upsets. We saw uh, the Swiss upset Sweden, and so now we're going to have the Finland at the Swiss and USA versus Russia on Friday. I mean, last night USA beat the Czechs 3-1, and we saw Canada lose to Finland in overtime. And one of, like, the craziest scenarios oh, I've really like, ever seen. Break. Dude, I feel, I feel so bad for the kid on Canada and even the goalie. I mean, so, so what happened was Noah Dobson uh, teed, Wide up, open. teed up a one-timer and, uh, you know, broke his stick on the play. Finland. Oh. Yeah, missed the, so the puck fumbles away. Finland walks right down in overtime and uh, scores to win it. So it's tough, tough for Canada, especially being on home home ice to lose that way. But boys, it's it's going to be a great, great semifinal between the USA and, and Russia and uh, the Finland and Swiss. Because I mean, the Swiss upset Sweden too, and Sweden was a wagon as well. So this Swiss team, I mean, they 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 went viral last year when they clinched the tournament. They had that video in the locker room of of them just going bananas. So I think the Swiss team, there, there's something going on there. But, again, like I said from the beginning, I like the U.S. They got Jack Hughes back now. They're buzzing. So, 
it's been a fun tournament so far. Some good games last night. But, again, I like the USA going forward, especially now that uh, that Canada's kicked out. Canada also missed a, a penalty shot in overtime. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be the first time they're 13 times hosting the tournament as a country where they won't medal. Crazy. Basically, Canada's national nightmare has, has now come true. And also, James Duthie had a very interesting tweet. Since Canada won its last five straight World Junior Golds in Ottawa in 2009, that was when Eberle tied it up late. An incredible team. Subban, Tavares, Eberle. Um, the tourney has changed a lot since then, he writes. Canada and Russia have had won 27 of 33 gold medals in the World Juniors. Since then, USA has three, Finland has two, Canada has two, Russia has one, Sweden has one, and then this year, who knows? God damn it, the fucking Swiss could win. So it's a much deeper, better tournament. That's what he ends up saying, and it just shows how much better hockey is, is becoming around the world as opposed to just dominant by Canada. So a good tournament. We'll still have some more talk of as the next episode. I think it'll be over by then. Um, and also regarding that come to us situation, I didn't watch the world juniors. I mean, Grinnell, you could talk more about this, but apparently he was like diving all over the place. Like Neymar, Neymar style. It, yeah, it was terrible. It was, and, that's a it was horrible. So even the Canadian media started calling him out because Canada is like the first country. If there's a diver, like everyone on Twitter, social media is all over that player from that country. I know Don Cherry shaking. People are losing oh, their I, mind. I, I, I'm curious to know what he has to say about it because he's like all over every single one that's ever happened. Uh, and sure enough, he's got to be the, getting a ton, of, a ton of shit that Comtois because he was the one that had the penalty shot in, in overtime there and, and didn't score. Well, that's what, what I was going to say. So it's people, a lot of people are saying it's karma because he was the one diving and like getting penalties from it and, and he was scoring and, and having a good uh, tournament. And then another kid on his team got tripped on the breakaway, and their coach picked Comtois to take the penalty shot. So well, obviously, he's a player, man. That's why I oh, think he's, he's, he's good. good. He's but real good. The problem is you got to get that out of your game. Comtois. We were talking about him at the start of the year when I had yeah, to call Yeah, remember him. we just kept going, come, Comtois. Well, I, I was on the, the Coyotes uh, radio broadcast, and, I, and I'm like, uh, I, I. Oh, yeah, that's when I heard you. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said, come Comtois. Oh, I anyway. thought you meant the podcast. I forgot. I heard you saying. Yeah, so so laugh. tough one for Comtois. I'm sure he's getting buried uh, on on his Twitter account if he even has one. Uh, don't read the mentions, bud. Any yeah. Canadians. And if people, if you're out there, if you're sending 17, 18 year old, 19 year old tweets, that <laughs> you're a peasant. You're the biggest loser. You're a loser. <laughs> you're a bum. And I bet you a lot of people that do it are listening. You're a bum if you tweeted at some world mm -hmm. junior kid that he sucks. You suck. Grinelli reminded me of that Miss USA contested a few minutes ago, calling it the Finland. I mean, that girl was like the Iraq and stuff. The Finland. The Finnish, the Finnish I know it's been a long week. I know you're tired, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. that. Uh, well, guys, real quick, before we wrap up, uh, I just saw this on Twitter. I know we didn't talk about this before, but I have to bring it up. Uh, so there's a tweet on Twitter that says, funny story from last night's game. Guy sitting next to penalty box was lighting up Sid all game with some fantastic chirps. A trainer delivered this to him after the final buzzer. And it's a signed stick from Sid that says, great chirps, take it easy on me next time with a Sidney Crosby. That's fucking blade. awesome. That's classy. And Sid also, I think the Penguins have won nine of their last 10. And in those 10, Crosby has 18 points. The Pens are coming. That's Witt's team. People say you're rooting for the Bruins today at the winning class. You root for the Bruins. You're from Boston. No, I'm a Penguins guy. Everyone knows that. That's why I'm sitting here hanging out in a beautiful living room and I'm going to go lay on the couch and take a nap after this and it's Thursday. Liar. Wow. Uh, one, one more note. Sorry, Biz. SeatGeek again. Uh, download the app. Nice. Promo code Chicklets. C-H-I-C-L-E-T-S. $20 off your first SeatGeek order. Do that. Support our sponsors. They're great. I use them all the time.
And uh, Matt Barzell had a hat trick the other night. I've been a little rough on him on the pod saying he needs to start shooting the puck. And uh, then he shoves it up my ass. So congrats to Matt Barzell. He's a, he's an up and coming superstar in this league. If he isn't already one. Yep. His first all-star game also. So, and once again, as we're wrapping up, uh, listen, I, I can't even say how much we thank the listeners. I, I said it before, but don't say thanks to us. Thank you to you guys. And this is almost like it, it, this weekend was very eye-opening for all of us because we didn't really realize how many people do enjoy this. I know it sounds kind of stupid, but we're just doing our thing. And to have people enjoy it this much is, is like overwhelming in a sense. So uh, we'll, kind of, we'll try to keep doing our thing. And, and we just we really, really, really thank you. No thanks to us. Thank you to the listeners. Well said, Wit. And RA is actually going to call McCarty and see if he's got our jingle ready. Maybe we could even drop it at the start of this episode. He's, uh, I'm sure he's been working hard on that. Oh, that's yeah. going to be a doozy. All right, boys. Peace out. Great job, boys. See you guys. Have Talk a great episode. weekend, everybody.